0: Good morning.
1: Hey, buddy. Good morning. How are you?
0: Good. How was your weekend?
1: Yeah, it was good.
0: Excellent. Erin um, is is on from Idaho, but we can't have you and her on at the same time. So. Okay. It's um, so just me and you, and here we go. Stand by.
2: Big news! I have some important news for you. Interesting news! It's
3: Blake and Aaron's spilling the tea with Sandy.
2: K-man's top
0: news headlines of the day from C.M.R. Good morning, Sandy. How are you?
1: Good morning, Blake and Aaron.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, how was the weekend?
1: It was good. Nice. Were, and- there, All
0: right. were, there, were there some festivities yesterday that that uh, that I uh, missed for Constitution Day? Were you part of any of that?
1: Um, there were fireworks that came out of Bay. I don't know. what. Oh, it was yesterday. I
0: missed those last night. Okay. So there were, fireworks. yeah,
1: those are pretty cool. It was like the first time since in a while. Yeah. I feel like where people were just like really freely out and about. And it was, it was nice.
0: No masking and just mingling. Yeah,
1: some people are still wearing it, but, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people.
0: Uh, I know there's a big story uh, from over the weekend. So oh, let's, 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 let's start with that.
1: Yeah. Well, on Friday, uh, shortly before five thirty, there was uh, a fatal shooting in the normally very quiet district of Baden Town,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and um, broad daylight. Really, a man uh, decides to shoot another man in his car on the side of the main road. So he has now been charged with murder, and he will appear in court this morning. And uh, you know, it's it sounds like a really just crazy situation. So.
0: What, what's, um from reading your story, they were, they knew each other. They they were a friend at one point. Um, yes,
1: it seems like they were friends at some point. I don't know how quickly, uh, in recent times, that relationship may have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were friends. And um, there's some story in circulation in relation to um, some mix up with money, is what the streets are saying. Hmm yeah so it's unfortunate because now one life is gone and the other young man is going to be probably you know if convicted spending a substantial amount of his life in, in a prison
0: that's wild you know yeah. it's just um uh, you had all of my a lot of my family down uh you know like 10 days ago for for a big uh reunion down here and we were yeah. you know everybody was wondering like what what the crime is like on the island and, and uh-huh. you know things like that happen we're like Nah, that's very rare and it's just wild to hear cuz th- that doesn't you don't hear about a murder yeah, no, in a no. uh not rarely at all.
1: As, not as often. I mean, Mm-mm. of course, more often than we would like. Oh, uh, for but, sure. Um yeah, so that's that's pretty pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. So, we'll certainly keep a, an eye out on this one and update the public. Uh, we will be talking about it in a bit more detail later, a bit later on uh, on this morning's show. But okay. yep, yeah, uh both young men in their 20s.
0: Yeah, so uh, we've got to miss. Not worth it.
1: Yeah, definitely not, for sure. You know? Miss Isley Connolly, she's an uh, education pioneer, passed away over the weekend. She was 99 mm. years old.
0: Wow. Yeah. What she, a nice long life.
1: I know, absolutely. She was a longtime educator, MBE recipient, and um, her husband is also the late uh, national hero, William Warren Connolly, was. Um, the first national hero, as I recall. So she is being remembered for uh, loving, um, you know, education, loving, you know, just people in general, and always being willing to impart that knowledge unto others. Uh, there's a fun photo of her back in 1975 in the classroom with kids in Cayman Brack. So she was born in 1923 in Cayman Brac. It's so a pretty, wow. pretty um, amazing life that she's lived. Yep. And at one point, she was actually the principal of uh, East End Primary in Grand Cayman. And then she was also chief education officer. And of course, a mother and wife as well.
0: I always think it's wild, the technology that somebody like that has seen
1: oh my gosh. Uh, in,
0: in their lifetime. Because there, yeah. there was virtually none back in 1923. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well,
1: certainly not what we consider technology. That's for sure.
0: right. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, The governor did issue a Constitution Day message yesterday. So, of course, we keep getting all these great holidays. And I feel like sometimes we forget what the holidays are actually for. So for us here in the the Cayman Islands, it was actually Constitution Day. Mm -hmm. And, um, yes, His Excellency um, Martin Roper urged the Cayman Islands to reflect in the institutions that support our democracy, freedoms and rights And uh, he issued a message on, you know, Cayman's constitution. So he's actually coming up. I think this is going to be his last year Mm -hmm. serving as our governor. And we'll probably get someone new um, early next year, the end of this year. So I'm sure he's reflecting on the last few years that he's been here.
0: He's been a great governor.
1: Yeah. He says that the UK's commitment to the Cayman Islands as part of the overseas territories family remains steadfast. And this year, um, he was touched by the extraordinary warmth shown to Her Majesty the Queen by the people that came knowledge during the Platinum Jubilee year. Yeah. So that was uh, what yesterday hey, was all about.
0: You know what I really like about... Oh my Governor- gosh,
1: look at the time.
0: I know. Uh, I'm watching it. Governor Roper is, is, has always been super accessible to everyone as well, which I think yep. is just an amazing. All right, uh, catch um, uh, Sandy right now on Bobo89.1 FM. We'll see you tomorrow for the Wednesday headlines. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Peppermint,
2: sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child! On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday rewind, impact Wednesdays, Caribbean connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea.
1: What a mess.
2: Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill.
1: Good morning, Cayman. Rise and shine. Let's get up and at them. It is uh, a beautiful Tuesday morning, July the 5th, here in the Cayman Islands, day after Constitution Day. That's going to be your last uh, public holiday for a while. So uh, get used to it. (laughs) Sorry to say, but uh, that's it until I think November. Anyway, folks, um, we got a lot to talk about today for sure. At first, because it is Tuesday, we've got our friends over at Health City joining us for another medical rundown with Health City. Lots of exciting things happening over at Health City. I must tell you that they really keep on the cutting edge of procedures, and um, more and more they're offering procedures that are going to make your life easier. And today's topic, I think, is one of those procedures where it's almost like kind of a you know in-and-out procedure, so we're going to learn a little bit more about that. We do have uh, Shamari Scott, who is head of the um, you know, business section. He's the chief business officer. Good morning, Shamari. How are you?
5: Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hope you had a I'm restful good. long weekend.
1: Yes, it wasn't too bad. I don't know if restful was the right word, but <laughs> <laughs> we could always do with more of that for sure. How was yours?
5: Mine was good. Mine was good. I had a, a good time with the family, so always awesome. good.
1: Sounds excellent. Awesome. We'll be restful
5: with three boys, right? Yeah, yeah. I was was going to say.
1: I can imagine. (laughs) So um, we have Sunil Mathi, I hope I've gotten that name right, who is also joining us. He's a senior consultant gastroenterologist. Good morning, uh, Morning, Sunil. How how are you? Good
6: morning, Sandy. Dr. Sunil. Yeah
1: so good to see you thanks for joining us this morning yeah, so good morning to everyone we've got tons of people already tuned in to the program thank you guys so much um so we've got a very interesting topic this morning when i saw this come in the email last week i thought "Ooh, this sort of piqued my curiosity so shamari uh, tell us you know you guys are just always how do you keep up with all the different services really that health mm-hmm. city um is offering new and improved and you know the latest equipment you guys just really try to keep on top of cutting edge medicine.
5: Definitely, definitely. And um, as I always mention, we're, we're, we're so lucky and so pleased to have physicians the caliber of a Dr. Sunil who has well over 25 years of experience in this area. Mm-hmm. And by having physicians like Dr. Sunil, these are the physicians that are always keeping on top of you know, the different procedures and or enhancement of the procedures that, that they're versed in and how it can give better patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and this is no different where a Dr. Sunil, um, you know, would be an expert in the area. And when we talk about the overstitch procedure, that, that he'll explain exactly what that is and how that helps the new um, suite within the bariatric program, Mm -hmm. you know, just due to the different advantages, Dr. Sunil would be the person that brings it to the fore and convinces, you know, management and the powers that be um, to obviously invest if it needs additional equipment and or for us to move forward and for him to actually offer the procedure, which once again is in the best interest of of the patients. Now, interestingly enough, we would have had Grayson, who would have been with us a few weeks back, and he would have had another version of the bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. And he would have talked about the recovery and and obviously, you know, the change in lifestyle to keep it off because it's been many, many years. And and um, Grayson is, is still a, a skinny mini, as people would, would state, um, because he did the right things. But even more so, uh, with this procedure that Dr. Sunil would speak about, you'll get to learn the advantages. And if you fit within the right criteria, why this probably due to the fact that it's um, through an endoscope and and Dr. Sunil can explain that, mm-hmm. that it would be a lot less risky in regards to surgery and, and, and mm-hmm. the other aspects.
1: Yeah. So this is really interesting because when I read this, I thought, right, this is someone like me, who's like, you know, I've got to lose about 50 pounds, um, probably a little more than that, but you know, a good solid 50 pounds. And um, so I'm, I don't really meet the criteria for the regular, regular um, biatric procedures, we've got to be 100 plus pounds overweight, and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's a lot of us who are still considered obese, um, and we fall into that category still, but yet we're not, I guess, morbidly obese. So Dr. Sunil, tell us who really is an ideal candidate for the endoscopic bariatric procedure. So it's called endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty. What a mouthful.
6: Yeah, Thank you, Sandy. Uh, uh,
1: uh, and by the way, welcome. I think this is your first time on the program.
6: Yeah, I think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. True. Thanks, uh, Shamari and uh, Sandy, being the host and the guest also. He is a co-guest along with me. Um, yes. So he keeps us confident throughout the show.
1: <laughs> oh yes, very good. So, who who would this procedure be for? Is it someone like I'm thinking in my head? It could be for someone like me, um, but tell us sort of you know who were the candidates for this type of procedure.
6: Uh, any any person who has got a BMI about 30 and below 40 uh, would be ideal for this procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, above 40, we generally interested to the surgeon because they need a drastic weight loss.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, when a drastic weight loss is uh, considered, uh, endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty is not an ideal procedure. But between 30 and 40, it's one of the best procedures which uh, has evolved out. Um, as you know, this obesity is a, is a kind of pandemic now. Uh, and the whole world is, uh, is having this problem. And then this is considered, and by definition, it's a chronic disease. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a disease which, uh, which uh, leads to a lot of, lot of comorbid situations like fatty liver, heart problems, arthritis,
4: mm-hmm.
6: and of course the, 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 the depression and anxiety which comes along with the, the, the physic you see on the mirror. So uh, these, uh, these things are, uh, have to be addressed and constantly procedures are evolving to see how, how best can we address this issue. So the first thing possibly was the intragastric balloon. If you remember, the the balloon is the intragastric balloon to reduce the volume of the the stomach was one of the first procedures which came in. Mm -hmm. But but unfortunately, what happened is uh, uh, the balloon gives you a a temporary weight loss. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't give you a permanent weight loss. So six months after inserting the balloon, we'll have to take out the balloon um, and then uh, the patient is left for their own, uh, their own um, what do you call, mental will and power to maintain the weight loss which has been imparted by the balloon. Mm-hmm. But in uh, endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty, it's a, it's a fairly permanent procedure. So um, uh, this is a restrictive procedure where the stomach has to be reduced in volume. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, you, you can either do it by inserting a laparoscope and taking out uh, around a uh, uh, 2 thirds of the stomach so that is called the laparoscopic uh, sleeve gastrectomy uh-huh. this procedure, this procedure is already already in practice and has been here for around 5 to uh, uh, 10 years now right so how to how to minimize this effort of even this laparoscopic procedure. So that's how the, the endoscope came into the scene.
4: Mm-hmm. So
6: endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty is something where with the endoscope, you go in, you reduce the, the the volume of the stomach by applying sutures from inside. So you suture the inside of the walls, oppose it together and then change the entire stomach into a tubular stomach. So if you remember, the stomach is like a sack. And this volume reduction is a fairly permanent volume reduction, which gives you a weight loss of around 15 to 20%. So this is actually a procedure which can be done as a daycare basis. You can admit it overnight. Even a one-day overnight admission is enough sometimes to do the procedure, and people can go back to their job in a week's time. Hmm. So this is uh, this is uh, uh, picked up. This procedure has picked up all around the globe in a in a, um, and people have accepted it much well. The FDA has approved it. So this is. Uh, uh what is called the overstitch endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty overstitch is a, is a company who manufactures or has patented that suturing mechanism mm-hmm. uh, so that's why it's called an overstitch procedure um, right. we uh, uh we uh, have a um have a, a good niche of uh, of a subset of people who need this procedure mm-hmm.
4: um,
6: so 30 to 40 BMI is something which we commonly see. And sometimes people with comorbidity, for example, they may not be ex- accepted for surgery. People who have heart disease, who have who have uh, uh, significant uh, liver problems, significant uh, 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 comorbidity like diabetes. So these people may not be accepted for surgery, but endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty is a, is a procedure which can be offered for even the comorbidity. People, um, I uh, um, I uh, personally think that this procedure uh, will uh, will definitely uh, uh, encompass the whole uh, world, and even uh, uh, even uh, minimally invasive uh, procedures like like uh, um, uh, the, the the robotics or the or the uh, uh, laparoscopic uh, uh, procedures will always be. Uh, will always be possibly overridden by this procedure.
5: And Dr. Sunil, um, just so people can understand, with the endoscope, you go through the mouth and go in to do the
6: suturing, or how does that actually work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we, we uh, this is an, a device which is normally attached to the endoscope. Right. So, uh, this device is attached to the endoscope and under general anesthesia, the people definitely, they, they don't want anything to go down their throat when they are, when they are, uh, when they are open-eyed. So we, we give them a general anesthesia similar to the anesthesia for any surgery.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And, and then the scope is passed down the throat, into the stomach, and then the suturing mechanism is almost virtually like a sewing machine. If you, if you have seen the tip of a sewing machine, the, where the thread goes in and comes out, thread goes in okay. and comes out. Um, so that's how, uh, that's how it is done from inside. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, there are two walls of the stomach. We call it the anterior and the posterior wall. These are opposed together with multiple sutures. And the, the, after the suturing, the stomach will look really small, mm-hmm. really small. It, it's around um, uh, two-thirds of the stomach is sutured together. So we have only one-third of the capacity of the stomach which is left. And the whole procedure can be completed in an hour, in an hour or so. So uh, this is the beauty of the procedure. And the and the and the side effects uh, are also minimal. Uh, being an endoscopic procedure, we don't subject the patients to uh, any kind of uh, surgical incisions or, or uh, uh, so that they don't have to necessarily go through. Uh, uh, a gastrectomy, where the where the part of the stomach is removed,
4: mm-hmm. so uh,
6: so that leads to uh, um, a, a kind of situation where the patient requires a lot of post operative care. Here we don't need that.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I've just shared a BMI calculator. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, hmm, what what is my BMI? Um, so folks, it's really easy. They just need your height and weight and they'll do the calculation for you. So, um, I've shared that in the comment section for anyone who's interested in knowing a little bit more about that this morning to kind of see where you fit on the BMI scale. Now, how do you evaluate a patient? I know you said, um, the BMI 40 and over, uh, would be for the other procedure. So anyone sort of, you know, under that, but there, are there any other qualifications or considerations when you look at a particular patient to see if this is an ideal procedure for them to qualify for
6: Yeah true um, that, that's a, a good question Sandy uh, uh, we don't we don't accept all patients who come in we mm-hmm. don't uh, uh, The reason is uh, any patient who comes in for the procedure uh, should have ideally undergone the the first uh, basic steps in uh, weight loss that is uh, mm-hmm. the, the diet the the exercise schedules uh, sometimes a program uh, a bariatric program attending a bariatric program uh, and then failure of of those programs uh, is the one which normally drives the patient to do a procedure now mm-hmm. uh, uh, once you once you uh, go through the history of a patient we'll we'll possibly get that these people have been trying to to uh, uh, induce some weight loss with multiple kinds of diets multiple kinds of multiple kinds of uh, uh, exercise uh, programs, gym. Um, so finally, they they end up in a situation where um, uh, they are not getting the desired effect and then they opt for a procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we have to necessarily go into uh, their psych also because we, we have to know whether, uh, because the overweight can sometimes be a compulsive eating. Uh, so there is there is sometimes a, a, a situation where to relieve anxiety or if a, if a patient is depressed, they keep on eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that induces the satiety which, uh, which uh, the food induces uh, gives them some kind of pleasure. So that has to be evaluated because the endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty will fail if you do it on such patients.
4: Mm
6: -hmm. Uh, because they'll go back to their overeating because the overeating is basically because that, that, that gives them some kind of relief. Yeah. So uh, so In other
1: words, um, you know, we, I think we can relate to this. There are people who are addicted to food. And so what you're really speaking about here is a food addict and, um, no procedure will work for you long-term if you don't address the underlying issues. So if you have a food addiction, for example, and you're not willing to address that, uh, whether it's through therapy or I guess that's probably the best means or behavioral changes for sure, that come about because of some um, sort of therapy, eventually all procedures will ultimately fail because your willpower has to be there to sustain whatever whatever uh, weight loss you might actually be successful with.
6: True, absolutely. We we give. Uh... 50 percent of the responsibility is ours and 50 percent is always a patient. so we have mm-hmm. to we address them like that because this nothing is nothing is foolproof. Mm-hmm. Even this, uh, this procedure what we do is though it is simple, it is uh, it is uh, 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 easily accessible, uh, but still uh, the responsibility which a bariatric procedure uh, um, uh, when it is done, the responsibility which a patient has is, uh, is immense. They have to necessarily make sure that the procedure they have undergone helps them because primarily the weight loss induced is around 15 to 20 percent by the procedure, but then the sustenance of the of the weight loss is entirely on the shoulders of the patient. So we do have to make sure that we get a, a, a psychological clearance, a, a clearance from the psychiatry department, from the from the general internist department, making sure that. Their other organs are all normal. And then uh, 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 finally, we give them a nutritional, um, a nutritional uh, um, what do you call, counseling. A nutritional counseling in the sense that you have to make sure that after the procedure, you have to strictly adhere to the diet which is being prescribed for some time. Um, mm-hmm. See, in, uh, when, you, when you take a restricted stomach, Uh, It means that you can eat anything, but the volume has to be restricted. So if you want to eat some meat, you can do. If you want to eat some eggs, you can do that. But then the volume has to be restricted. So um, the, the stomach is peculiar in the sense that when you restrict the volume of the stomach, the remnant what is left there is still an elastic, which if you keep on putting intense volume into it, It can keep on expand, expanding, expanding until it it might look like a normal stomach again. So this this has to be important. So what we are doing right now is is something to help you out. Now there is a responsibility on you to maintain your diet, but that weight loss is almost virtually guaranteed if you stick to the dietary program. Mm -hmm. Because the dietary program initially failed. But this procedure will help you to make sure the dietary program will be a success. So uh, five-year uh, trials have been, I mean, uh, the, we have the data of around five-year uh, data all around the world, which shows that a sustained weight loss of virtually 18% is, mm-hmm. is, uh, is imparted by this procedure in five years. So uh, maximum weight loss occurs in in uh, one year which is almost to the tune of 25% but then uh, that that slow reduction in that weight loss is due to the fact that they deviate from their diet or exercise schedules in the long run
1: mm, mm-hmm. wow andrea good morning andrea says good morning thanks for a very informative show i really enjoy listening on a Tuesday morning. God bless. Good morning to Pat. So good to see you. So I know a lot of people are probably listening to today's program with a little bit of extra um, interest. And of course, we are talking about the endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty, which again is an effective bariatric procedure um, for sort of a slightly different category of individuals. So if you have a BMI that's less than 40, um, which means that you have less weight, really that you need to lose, uh, this is a procedure that can help you reduce your weight, give you pretty good results, 15 to 20% of actual body weight loss um, at at t- between 12 to 24 months. So it really is a gradual weight loss as well, which I think is really important for sustainability. I always hear people who say, oh, you know, I lost 25 pounds a month. And I look at them with a very keen eye because I know that that level of weight loss, I don't care how you lost it, normally isn't going to be sustainable. Um, the more gradually you do something when it comes to uh, losing weight, the more likely you are to be able to keep it off in the long term. So even this procedure, I'm really uh, quite pleased to see that although it is offering you medical intervention and surgical intervention, the weight loss is still done uh, in a very gradual manner. So what are some of the things that you have to do before the procedure? Because I know for the other um, gastric procedures, I think normally you go on some sort of a liquid diet beforehand, for example, um, to kind of get ready for that. Are there any things that patients have to consider before doing this procedure,
6: um, uh, once we uh, uh, the patient goes through the nutritional uh, counseling,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
6: they get an idea of uh, what they have to face uh, after the procedure, and just maybe a, two or three days just prior to the procedure. We don't have we don't have a great uh, prep going on for the procedure. Um, the patient normally comes in fasting. They uh, they, uh, they 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 get admitted. Uh, the procedure is on. Um, and following that, the dietary alteration is a fairly drastic one. Uh, but then you have to stick to it only for a month. Unlike a laparoscopic sleeve, where, where, where the dietary restrictions last for three months, uh, this is a, a, a one-month program where the first week or two, the patient is on a liquid diet. Mm-hmm. Um, then gradually step to your puree diet and then gradually step to a solid diet. So it takes almost 30 days for this graduation to occur. So once a a patient slowly graduates on on to these dietary um, um, schedules, they have have to make sure that they get this information beforehand. uh, The the weight loss induced in the first month is really rapid, Mm -hmm. but that's partly due to this kind of diet. Now, this Mm -hmm. kind of diet is not for weight loss alone. It is to protect the sutures which are inside. So we don't want a rapid expansion of the stomach which can break the sutures. So whatever we do inside has time, uh, is given adequate time for it to heal. That's Mm around two weeks' time. So a liquid diet uh, uh, is a one which is followed for two weeks and then we we gradually uh, uh, step it up uh, in another two um, uh, a month to a normal diet so these patients are allowed to work in a week's time mm-hmm. uh, on this dietary schedule um so um, uh, the, that's it uh, otherwise we don't have any any kind of uh, pre-pre-procedure uh, uh, there's no major uh, dietary uh, um, um, schedules advice but they Uh, They would have already necessarily uh, read about it, uh, gone through it, because most of the patients who come for a a bariatric procedure, they have really, really researched the subject beforehand.
1: Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. So um, you've explained how the procedure is done. You told us a little bit about you know who this procedure is ideally for, as well as what uh, patients can expect. Now, what is the permanent nature of the procedures? Is this something that can be reversed if it needed to be reversed for some reason?
6: Uh, for for some reason, if it has to be reversed, yes, you can go inside and 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 uh, and uh, what do you call? It? You can cut all the sutures which we have placed, but. Generally mm-hmm. it's considered permanent. Not
1: permanent. Because fibrosis,
6: fibrosis is a scarring event which occurs in about two, three weeks time.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So once you have to cut the sutures through a, a, a scarred stomach, it's not easy, but it can be done.
1: Mm. All right. So let's talk about some of the side effects, because, um, of course, we know that every procedure has uh, sort of pros and cons involved. And, you know, I'm sure there's a few side effects related to this particular one. So what are some of the side effects that people might experience?
6: Once you restrict the stomach, uh, the first thing which occurs is that uh, you might get some nausea, some kind of vomiting sensation,
2: uh, mm-hmm.
6: you eat. Uh, There might be some pain uh, because the sutures, uh, uh, by the time the sutures heal. So about two or three days, uh, this sort of uh, immediate post-procedure symptoms are common. Uh, On the long term, um, some kind of mild malabsorption features like iron deficiency or uh, uh, B12 deficiency can occur. But then these are usually monitored. I mean, people are people are always uh, always monitoring such things. So uh, replacements are done accordingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so uh, along along with uh, along with the uh, the the dietary uh, dietary supplements, we make sure that these uh, uh, small mild mal digestion or malabsorption problems are addressed. Um, the the uh, side effects of the procedure uh, procedural uh, uh, intra procedural. Is during the during the sutures, some amount of bleeding can occur. But these are addressed during the procedure itself. It's like a kind of any other kind of surgery, but even much, much, much less than surgery. Mm
1: -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. All right, folks. So questions 936-2626 is a telephone number, or you can certainly um, send your questions in here. We do have some people uh, on WhatsApp who are saying that they're going to be contacting you today because they're very interested in having um, a consultation. So um, weight loss changes that you can expect, folks, is anywhere between 15 to 20 percent of your actual body weight, uh, which again, you know, depending on how much you weigh, could be upwards of um, you know 50 pounds. Um, and there is the possibility that it can be reversed, not an ideal situation. are there any reasons why someone would want it reversed? I'm just sort yeah,
6: of yeah true some some people uh, uh, you can you can expect it to be uh, uh, less than five percent uh, uh, some people uh, would like to get it reversed primarily because they hate this restriction mm. as I told you some of them some of them are 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 uh, in fact, Either depressed or, uh, mm-hmm. or anxious, or on the underlying cause for overweight is an entirely different uh, etiology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, in such situations, uh, uh, some people uh, may want reversal, but it is seldom done. If right. you look at the entire entire uh, procedure volumes, it is seldom done, but uh, it can be done if if necessary.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so I suppose at the initial consultation stage, um, you know, you guys try to ascertain uh, if someone falls into that category because that—that's probably the five percent that you didn't—you don't want to have do the procedure to begin with, really, because you know, it's not going to be a success for them. Yes, all right, Shamari, um, how many of these procedures? Uh, we have someone asking how many of these procedures have been done and um, whether or not health insurance will actually cover it.
5: Um, sorry, go ahead, Dr. Sanel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, see, this is
6: a fairly new procedure. You right. should, uh, we, 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 the, the, even the FDA approval uh, came about uh, three, four years back. So right. uh, this is a fairly new procedure, and all, all over the world, uh, maybe around uh, um, 50,000 to 60,000 procedures have been done so far all around the world so uh, this is uh, this is catching up Uh, that's number one number two um, uh, it's a technically easy procedure because uh, a fairly good skilled uh, endoscopist can uh, can acquire this uh, skill easily it's not a very difficult procedure Uh, number three uh, the health uh, insurance does not cover many of these bariatric procedures
4: Mm
6: -hmm. unless linked to a comorbidity
4: Mm-hmm. For example,
6: if you have a problem with your with your heart and with your with your uh, uh, liver and your joints, but then even when you apply for the insurance cover for these procedures, they they will necessarily ask you. They'll give you a list of things. The insurance companies generally give a list of things which you have to necessarily comply. That includes. a a uh, 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 two-year uh, program, psychiatric evaluations, multiple counseling. So it's an extremely tedious, uh, tedious uh, uh, procedure, uh, which uh, which finally finally re- um, uh, ends up in a rejection of the of the application. Mm-hmm. So um, we have, in fact, if we apply for. Uh, maybe hundred uh, insurance uh, uh, applications, we might get one passed. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's difficult. So when when people uh, people think about a bariatric procedure, including the balloon, including the lap sleeve, um, insurance uh, coverage is uh, is not in the line. So uh, mm-hmm. they may have to shell the the, the money out of their pocket.
5: Yeah. And, um, so, Sandy, it's it is just in regards to how insurance is, is currently seeing these procedures, um, where we're mm-hmm. trying to educate that it isn't um, cosmetic, right? Mm-hmm. So, for the most part, where Dr. Sunil and team would have a holistic view of the patient and understand what the issue is. And a lot of times, it's, it's actually contributing um, to some serious comorbidities in regards to your health and ensuring that the patient is the right type of patient that gives you the best probability for success. And that's why you have all the evaluations. That's why Dr. Sunil has the clinic with other physicians and the other areas to make sure the patient gives the best pro- um, probability for success prior to going through this type of procedure. Um, however, with all of that, still for the most part, um, local insurance companies see it as cosmetic. What's interesting is that when you start to look at self-insured companies in the US, as an example, Mm -hmm. that have employees that still traditionally from a manufacturing perspective, let's say you have a manufacturing company, they still have lifelong employees that will stay with them 20, 30, 40 years until they retire. Those self-insured companies are actually looking at the long tail in regards Mm -hmm. to their employees and they will pay for these procedures because they know they can pay you know, the $12,000 or $10,000 upfront right now um, mm-hmm. and help their employee to become a healthier version than themselves. Or they've seen it where within five or 10 years without this type of help, those same employees are having to go in with some serious types of procedures, whether it is gonna eventually become a cabbage, and or other types of procedures and the costs associated, as well as the loss of time at work and the such, they have made the decision that they're going to help their employees uh, be the healthiest version of themselves. And they see it as being worthwhile and also not cosmetic, but actually needed in a lot of those cases. So we're seeing a little bit of a shift. Um, we, don't, we don't think as quickly as it should come, but hopefully in the future, uh, with more evidence, insurance will start to, you know, look at these procedures as being procedures that that are actual medical procedures that are needed for certain um, lifestyles and, and the such. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, right now, unless you're with Cynical, Cynical uh, has a different view in regards to some of these procedures. And once again, you can't just walk in and get it. You have to go through um, and ensure that you are of the right mind to be able, as Dr. Sunil said, to have the lifestyle change that will allow for the procedure to be successful. The physicians um, and the hospital does half and the patient has to do half, just like what you would have heard with Grayson. So Cineco does have a look at it um, with, with more generous eyes, but currently um, insurance doesn't cover these, these procedures locally.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah, I mean, that is um, quite interesting. And Rachel makes the point, of course, she is in health insurance. She says health insurance won't cover this weight loss is excluded from the health insurance uh, law and regs. Um, But you know, to Shamari's point, I was thinking the exact same thing, that offsetting uh, future issues that we know are linked and and connected to um, excessive weight, whether it's, you know, you kind of fall into that uh, pre-diabetes stage right now, chances are that's not something that's going to undo itself unless drastic action is actually taken. And this is one of the things that um, a patient can certainly look into. So um, prevention, as they say, a pound of prevention is better, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So um, hopefully the insurance companies will start to recognize that anything that they can do um, to really help you know, their existing clients sort of starve off issues later on, whether it's related to weight or other things. Preventable medicine should really be something that uh, they should invest in as well because it it saves them money on the tail end, doesn't it, of all of this. So, Lavana, good morning to you. Miss uh, Vernita is joining us um, as well, sending some condolences. We'll get into that a little bit after um, our guests have left. Miss Pat and Miss Barbara also Listening keenly. And um, Mr. Hero Blair joining us from Orlando this morning, wishing everyone a good day. So 936 2626. If you have a number, you can also, um, if you have a question, sorry, you can also feel free to WhatsApp us. I know some people are shy about coming on the program, but sometimes you do have a question that you want to ask. Those last few questions were coming in from uh, listeners to the program who wanted to know. Uh, what their options were in terms of any sort of coverage. So again, folks, this is a relatively new procedure that is um, available at Health City. It's the endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty, um, which is an effective bariatric procedure uh, for people who, you know, might not necessarily qualify for the more drastic uh, options that are available because they don't you know, they're not as obese, if you will. And so this will still help you, though, because listen, I have um, Dr. Sunil, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard every like 10 pounds that you can lose can be a life saving uh, percentage of weight for you. So it's not always about the big, big numbers, like think. Oh, my God, like, like even me, you know, I've got this 50 pound goal, right? And I'm like, oh yes, 50 pounds. But, you know, to get there, I've got to take baby steps. And more importantly, even if I don't fully get there, if I lose 10, 15, 20, 25 pounds, those are still life-changing numbers, um, you know, in terms of your health.
6: True. Yeah, you're you're well-spoken on that matter because each uh, pound of weight which is lost, it reduces the the the, the blood pressure, it reduces the, uh, the sugar levels, um, and definitely the the uh, a good uh, uh, effect on the lipid uh, profiles, yeah, true. On the long term, mm-hmm. definitely it, it 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 is a cost effective thing. Uh, so what Shmary brought up is uh, is exactly a, a great point because it's it's a kind of prevention, um, and and prevention often can lead to a very good uh, very good uh, um, health scenario for the employees. Yeah, true.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, folks. So do you know what your BMI numbers are this morning? Um, if you're not aware, again, there are a number of uh, calculators online that can help you. So, um, you know, a lot of people, Shamari, in the Caribbean, we kind of have this uh, way of thinking that, you know, we like people who are a little bit chunkier, <laughs> for for want of a, a better word, really. Um, you know, we, we love full-bodied individuals, right? More Yes, especially women. I mean, this seems to be a pressure on women in particular that we want a woman with with curves. And, you know, even women who start to lose weight have to often contend with members of their family or other people telling them, oh, don't lose any more weight. You know, you looked good before. um, And encouraging them to be an unhealthy weight, which is a little bit of an interesting situation. So, you know, this image of beauty uh, can certainly be different depending on what cultures you're in and I think for the Caribbean culture we've accepted um the curvier figures which are not necessarily the healthiest figures so let's talk about you know because I think we need to be honest about what obesity does um to the body in very you know you know, just strict medical terms, Dr. Sunil, uh, tell us a little bit about people who are carrying excess weight, even if it is just 15 or 25 pounds. What are some of the things that they should be thinking of uh, as we age, especially?
6: Yeah, well, the the, uh, the weight problems are uh, uh, generally linked to, uh, see, there are a lot of studies which are going on in uh, in uh, uh, defining this uh, overweight situation. So there are there's a strong genetic link where uh, uh, the obesity, the diabetes, the uh, uh, hyperlipidemias, and the uh, hyperuricemia, the uric acid also, which runs along with um, the fatty liver, uh, they are all linked to now um, a kind of single uh, genetic phenomena. Mm -hmm. People may, may inherit either one of it or two of it or all of it. So um, when we are addressing the the weight problem, there are other four things like the the the, the uh, hypercholesterolemia, the diabetes and the hypertension um, and the uric acid. The, the, the all those four tend to come down. So uh, this is an interlinked uh, uh, state where, uh, uh, in fact, the, the need for medications come down. Um, mm. uh, the need for uh, the need for uh, uh, for example, a, a person with an arthritis over a period of time he needs to knee replacement.
4: Mm-hmm. So
6: we find that if this weight loss is induced early when the when that arthritis is detected, we could possibly delay the 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 the, the, the um, uh the the hip transplant or the or the uh, or the knee replacement uh 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 to many many years so mm-hmm. uh, definitely addressing uh, addressing obesity uh, uh, is uh, uh, as a chronic disease uh, but then uh, let me put Sandy into one thing very clear people should have an idea this is a problem which has no cure mm. what we are offering what we are offering is only a, a, a kind of a situation or a crisis management there is no cure to this problem because this is something which is going to be there with you. This twenty pounds of weight loss for a for a uh, or a, or a fifty pounds of weight loss, which we induced by this procedure and diet and exercise, just make sure that you fall barely into the healthy range.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Because you're far outside the healthy range, so we are trying to bring them into the healthy range.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: So uh, uh, it, any any time the, the the it can be tipped off. By by um, uh, non-adherence to any of these things, like a future diet or exercise, so um, bringing uh, bringing people uh, and and making them fall in line is not an easy task. So we have failures. We have failures too. Uh, we have to admit that. So so that's why the definition has evolved. That um, obesity is a chronic disease, and it is not mm-hmm. something which you can offer a cure. This is not a magic bullet.
1: Yes. And so, folks, if you have a BMI, just talk about weight in general, um, between 25 and 29.9, you're considered overweight. Anyone who has a BMI over 30 is actually considered obese. And so some of the health consequences of obesity for adults include um, you know, all causes of death, uh, so your mortality rate increases, uh, high blood pressure, hypertension, high LDL, so this is now your cholesterol levels, um, high levels of triglyceroids, type two diabetes, coronary heart disease, uh, stroke, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, um, sleep apnea with breathing problems, chronic inflammation, which can uh, add to all sorts of other issues, certain cancers, including um, breast cancer, colon, kidney, gallbladder, and liver, uh, endometrial, all connected to being obese, Low quality of life, so just how you enjoy your life, your ability to get up and move when you feel like it um, is certainly reduced if you're carrying excess weight. Uh, Mental illness, such as clinical depression, anxiety, and other mental disorders. Uh, Body pain and difficulty with physical functioning. So those are just some of the health side effects, folks, if you were carrying around extra weight. And um, I think that anyone who has had a few extra pounds off on and you've lost it, you know what a humongous difference the the journey, the weight loss um, can make. I mean, people, your skin looks better, your hair just looks and grows differently. Like everything about you just seems to have, uh, you know, a very different quality of life. You know, when Dr. Sunil was talking about the um, surgeries, like knee surgery and you know all that kind of stuff. I was sort of thinking um a couple of years ago I accompanied someone to Miami who needed to have knee replacement surgery. And unfortunately, her knee replacement surgery failed. And I was talking to the orthopedic surgeon about, um, you know, he was saying it's so interesting because, you know, he's been practicing for many, many years. And he said, oh, you know, I used to come to Caman all the time until Health City showed up. And then, you know, they've been doing a lot of the procedures on island, so I'm not needed as much. But he said the interesting thing is in his career, he sees now so many patients Requiring this type of surgery, and I said, well, "Well, why do you think that is?" And he said, "Well, to be honest, the number one issue is weight." He said, "If you know adults could simply control their weight." I probably wouldn't be in business. I wouldn't have a job because I wouldn't have as many knee replacements and hip replacements and all these other surgeries that are required. But those surgeries mean that um, someone who could have gone maybe 80 years before even having to need, you know, surgical intervention for their knees or their hips, because now they're you know, just carrying so much excess weight, he's finding by the time someone is hitting 40, which is like half of the the previous, you know, um, sort of surgical age is now requiring his intervention. And he says, you know, unfortunately, uh, Sandy, it's not getting any better, younger and younger people um, are becoming more and more obese. And the numbers have been significantly increasing since the 70s. I feel like any tool that we can get and there are tons of tools out there, folks. This may not be the specific tool for you, but you know, Health City offers a number of different options, including just going and sitting down with the nutritionist, trying to do all of the stuff um, to avoid surgery. Uh, you know, just trying to get it under control. If you have, you know, an eating disorder that you need some professional intervention with, they do have, you know, um, an entire mental health team available to assist you with those types of things as well. So, folks, um, I think the bottom line is take whatever steps you need to take uh, that we all need to take in order to try to control her weight as much as possible. Now, I'm, I'm assuming, Doc, that, um, you know, I was even thinking about this for myself, like anytime you go into a procedure, one of the questions for sure in the sort of initial consultation is they'll ask about your current weight and how long you've actually been at that current weight to see if you're continually gaining weight Or, you know, because that would be an indication that you don't actually have your weight under control. So although I may not necessarily be losing the 50 pounds that I want, I'm also not gaining anything. I've maintained this for, unfortunately, five plus years, you know, after having a baby. But, you know, is that one of the questions that you look at to see um, persons, uh, if they're still continuing to increase in weight, that they probably would not necessarily be a good candidate for, for this type of surgery?
6: um the, the, there's there's a there's a concept called uh, um um uh, what do you call healthy obesity
4: mm-hmm.
6: there, there's a concept like that that's called healthy obesity where where people uh, seem to have a bmi of above 30 but then all their parameters are normal mm-hmm. they, they don't have hypertension they don't have diabetes they don't have uh, uh they don't have hypercholesterolemia so uh in such people who are maintaining the weight, we leave them alone. We just uh, advise them a regular exercise schedule, just try maintaining your weight and regular checkups as usual, which is which is done. Most of them get it done once in two or three years. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, that should suffice for them, uh, because those th- those are not the niche of the patients who need to undergo the surgery. Right. People who are keeping on gaining weight and people who who exhibit. Symptoms or signs of uh, uh, the problem. Uh, Due to overweight, you have such a problem, then you have to address it.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, Patrice, good morning. Uh, We have Pat saying, is the sleeve the best? So I think I'm really, Pat, the conclusion that we've come to this morning is a consultation is required for each individual person to see what options um, are best for you. Uh, individually and of course this is one of the options this endoscopic sleeve is one of the options that is available that is less um, invasive and that you can have done almost on an outpatient basis really because you have the procedure done and it's about 60 to 90 minutes and um, you know they essentially go through go through the throat to do it so good morning to Debbie Uh, Miss Wee -Wee is also here listening to the program so Shamari anything else that people need to know about this specific um, procedure and just about Health City in general, you guys have so much going on that I'm, I'm really pleased that you come in the program each week to just keep us abreast of all of the latest and greatest.
5: No, definitely. And um, Sandy, Dr. Sunil just mentioned about, um, you know, the healthy obesity area, and then mm-hmm. you were talking about body types and such. Um, you need to know your numbers, like we were talking about previously.
4: Mm-hmm. So-
5: you know, regardless if you may feel you are the healthiest version of you, definitely come in and and have your executive health checkup, and understand your numbers and understand if there is work to be done. Or as Dr. Sanil has said, in certain instances, um, persons may fit within the BMI that you may think they need a procedure, but they're actually healthy and they exercise well and they're eating well, and their mm-hmm. body's just that type. Um, however, they actually don't need to to go through any additional um, procedure and or lifestyle change because they're already eating healthy and the such. Um, so without knowing your numbers, you won't know exactly where you are. You may think you're very healthy and mm. there's some underlying health issues as well. At times, um, typically you can feel when something isn't right with your body, but other times you can't. And coming mm. in for a checkup many times has caught um, various areas of, of issues in the earlier stages. And as we mentioned, once we catch it early enough, medicine has advanced to the stages where for the most part, we'll either be able to help you heal and or your quality of life thereafter will be that much uh, enhanced due to the fact we would have caught issues early. If you have any questions about the overstitch procedure, Um, 640-4040, or email us at info at healthcity.ky. And at times, if you just want to come in for a consultation, um, Dr. Sunil will be available. We'll set up the appointment for you to see him. As well as Dr. Sunil has clinics um, prior to to give education as well as to go through some of the um, different education needed in regards to this procedure. So you can also ask about that clinic and we'll go ahead and set you up for that so that Dr. and and team can evaluate you and have a conversation with you as, as well.
1: Right, do we have any information? One uh, viewer to the program is wondering on cost. So what are we looking at in terms of cost of the procedure?
5: So in regards to costs, um, we always speak in U.S. dollars. It's going to be anywhere between ten dollars uh, to $12,000 U.S. in regards mm-hmm. to the procedure. We had a rate for the first few that signed up that was $7,000. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to be looking to see the type of response we have. And we're always willing to work mm-hmm. with our patients to figure out, to help them, to avail themselves of the service if they are um, indicated in regards to, to actually needing it. So we'll definitely work with persons on that as well.
1: Right. So folks, the telephone number is 640-4040. It's how you can contact them or via email, info at healthcity.ky. So Shamari, I couldn't help but notice your mug this morning, which says that I love my wife. <laughs> You're not using your CMR mug this morning. Was it a rough weekend?
5: <laughs> I, 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 alternate I, I, feel- I
6: alternate my mugs. I alternate my mugs. He's just playing it safe. I feel
1: like, yes, I know. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like his wife probably really stepped in this weekend with the kids, and he's feeling very appreciative of her help and so. I wanted to send that a little bit extra love. Um, all right, folks, uh, any other questions that you may have, you can contact the Health City team directly. Info at healthcity.ky or 640-4040 is their contact information. Um, any updates on the facility at Caymana Bay? I know under construction. How was How is that going in terms of your timelines?
5: It, it's going right along the timeline. So in regards to our radiotherapy center, Um, Before the end of the year, we'll be having our commissioning and the ribbon cutting and the snipping of the ribbon, and we'll be able to see our first patients before the end of the year so that persons no longer will have to travel overseas for radiotherapy when it comes to cancer. You'll be able to have everything at home, staying close to your family, and obviously also at a fraction of the cost, you would get it in South Florida as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. All right, folks. So there you have it. It has been another episode of Medical Rundown with Health City. You can find them here every single morning, every single Tuesday morning, at 7:30 uh, here on Bobo 89.1, as well as the Cold Heart Truth, which is simulcast on Facebook and YouTube. And we've got hundreds of people um, who listen live, and then people always go back and listen after the program as well. So um, I see one caller coming calling, and I bet she's calling the wrong number because she always does, Miss <laughs> <Ms>. Bernita. <laughs> Don't forget, it's 936, folks, Bobo, 936-2626 is the correct number. The other one you're calling is my personal number. But if you want to come on the program, 936-2626 is the telephone number. I always tell people just save that one as a cool hard truth so that you don't get confused. Don't put them both under my name because I think that's what happens when you go in and you hit Call Sandy. It's calling all sorts of numbers. Um, So we'll give her a second in case she wants to call the other number. Uh, Pat says, thank God, Uh, getting some useful information here again this morning. So folks, we have been, um, you know, we've had, you know, them on the program before talking about successful weight loss surgery and that journey and what that entails. It's not an easy procedure and it's not an easy journey, but if you need to do it, you will know that it can be life-saving. And it's just one of those things that you've got to focus on. There's nothing like having your health, folks. You can have all the money in the world, and it will do you absolutely no good if you do not have your health. And I think people um, have often found themselves in that situation. I was telling you guys a few, uh, probably over a month ago now, that I actually did this 23andMe uh, DNA test. And what I was, uh, Dr. Sunil, you might find this interesting. What I was very very interested to hear is that my according to my dna i fall in the category supposedly of being slightly underweight and so i thought to myself oh that's good news because that means that there is a skinny version of me somewhere in the multiverse (laughs) (laughs) i just have to find it (laughs) um Yeah. So this is this is what they had in my DNA profile that, um, you know, I'm supposed to be on the skinny side. So I've got it. That gave me a little bit of hope that, you know what, there's no reason for me to be carrying on excess weight, except that I probably just am indulging a little bit too much in the things that I shouldn't be indulging in. So, um, folks, you know, this is helpful information. Know your numbers. It's really, really important that you know all of your numbers, that you do regular checkups. You know, sort of, where your, for example, your blood pressure is, your cholesterol, and all sorts of other numbers that can be an indication of um, things that you need to be watching out for. As Shamari said, people come in for a preventative health checkup. Those executive health checkups that we talked about a few months back are so incredibly important because they could give you an indication of things that you need to be watching out for. And then the corrective steps that you can take. So, you know, I know that as women continue to age, there will be concerns that we all have and getting off the excess weight is one way that we can certainly help her body sort of prepare for the menopausal and the aging process as we uh, continue life's journey. So thank you both so much for coming in the program. Uh, Dr. Sunil, hopefully it wasn't too too stressful for you your first time on the show.
6: Oh, no, absolutely not. It's one, one of the good things to have Shamari around.
1: Yes. <laughs> Shamari, building confidence.
6: <laughs> yeah. And Sandy, oh, I mean, if you if you go through a personal interview, I would like you across the chair.
1: You would like, sorry? You are, if
6: if I'm on an interview, I would like you to be on the other side of the oh, table. Oh, thank you, you so much. Uh, it was nice. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed the show.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Shamari, another oh, week?
6: Bye-bye. Yeah,
5: yeah. Busy week. Busy week. You know, yes. short week. So condense everything within. I know, so, right? Absolutely. Nice busy week. Looking forward to it and and just want to say a pleasant hello to Cayman Islands viewers. And you didn't mention the radio time. There are a lot of people listening to you on the radio, not yes. only online. So
1: absolutely. big
5: hello to them as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, we've got a whole new... Um, Scope of listeners who were tuned in yes. uh, last night. I was at Caymanabay Bay and I was speaking to some elderly people in the community, and they were saying how much they enjoy being able to now tune in on the radio because they didn't necessarily have social media. So we do have a caller to the program. Good morning, caller.
7: Hi. Good morning, Signe. Um, yeah, 'm so quick um how are you
1: all we're good how are you
7: Yeah, i need to ask the doctor i had my surgery done in um 2009 mm-hmm. and just um i had a lot of um stomach issues and I'm still having a lot of um stomach issues and um mm-hmm. what i found out at that time i um that my stomach or isn't stomach i think they cut too short like four inches and then am still going through with all of this pain. I did my surgery over in FMS, F, you know, if, if I don't remember, you know, I deal with fiber, my. Mm-hmm. Problems with this shit, but I'm not doing too bad this morning. So I am mm-hmm. still, I'm still having, oh, I could not swallow at one time. I still can't swallow. I can't, I can't um, have a lot of pain in my chest, like my food is going down, it locks up and it hurts. In 2015, I think Dr. Zoltan did a um, reconstructive surgery, emergency reconstructive surgery because he one that had hernia and some other stuff like um, oh, like the pains also and um, I don't think he was diverticulitis at that time, but he did a reconstructive surgery, and let's say I did the rule and wife. At that time, mm-hmm. I didn't know why. Anyway. But mm-hmm. in a way, I am still, the thing is, I am still, when, even though Dr. Zooks did that um, surgery, and another issue, they had to repair it because my weight loss just went down to a, a certain amount mm-hmm. and something wasn't working. And, mm-hmm. and and Mr. Payne, he went inside and he found that like, how They did, I guess, how they did their surgery in the States, he does it a different way. And uh, I can't remember what he did, but he closed up the hole. Like they said, I had a hot little hook. So he closed that up because when I breathe in or breathe out, my stomach would come up through my, like, like trying to come up through my throat Then that's how I remember him saying it to me. So to make a long story short, I'm trying to ask you again. Yeah.
1: So and this might be, um, Carla, if I, I could
7: just one time that four inches, my stomach is cut too short.
1: Yeah, Ms. Vernita. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, if I could probably just pause you there because I know okay. you're, you're giving out a lot of very personal information on air. So what I would say to you is this is the sort of thing where you probably want to go in for a consultation and sit down with Dr. Sunil, another member um, of the team, who can you know go over your medical records I'm sure they'll tell you exactly what you need to bring with you. Um, they didn't do your procedure but I'm sure that they would be happy to provide you with you know some additional information via consultation so that's that's what I would recommend instead of giving all of the Cayman Islands your medical history in the program this morning, Um, Make an appointment with them, uh, sit down with Dr. Sunil so that he can or someone else from the team so that they can go through um, all of the symptoms and difficulties that you're having, because I know you have other medical concerns and other issues. So who knows what could potentially be causing, you know, some of the complaints that you're having, and then they can sort of give you some advice. From there. Okay,
7: I'm trying very hard to get to you all, but to get this referred is very hard, so I don't know. I tried for it and it turned it down, so I don't know what's going on. But anyway, I'm still, I'm still going to try. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, my dear. You're most welcome.
7: Thank you, doctors, for doing the good work, too. Good work, guys. Oh, you're you guys.
6: You're welcome. You're welcome. Have a nice day.
1: So, yes. um, You know, we we love having phone calls, but I want to encourage you that if you have something very, very specific, um, because I could see that caller was having to share a lot of her personal details, we don't necessarily want you to do that. Um, on air, because again, you might leave something out. You might need documentation that you need to, you know, give to um, the physician. So that's the whole purpose of consultations, folks, is that uh, the physicians can get, you know, a better picture of your medical history, and then give you advice from there. And sometimes they might have to run a battery of tests and other things to see really what's causing the discomfort that you're having. So we know that Miss Vernita has expressed on the program before. She has um, some chronic health issues, and she definitely wants to get over to Health City. But I know that she's also a cynical patient, so she's having to um, wait on the referral system to work. (laughs) It's magic. Um, So hopefully someone can assist her with that over at HSA and get that sorted out so that she can see the experts over at Health City to give her some advice. Um, Cause quality of life, you know, doesn't matter, like I said, how much money you have in the bank or even what size you are, if your quality of life is um, decreased, then uh, you will know living with chronic pain is, is, is no walk in the park, it's not a fun day at all. All right, Dr. Sunil, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Shamari, thank you as always. Um, wow. we'll be back next week, Tuesday folks with no doubt, uh, another fantastic program. So make sure that you tune in nice and early at seven 30 so that we can have a chat with the wow. folks over at health city. All right. All right, Thank guys. Have
6: a good day. Bye. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye.
3: For over seven years, Health City Cayman Islands has provided life-changing and life-saving medical care for the people of the Cayman Islands at our hospital in East End. During this time, we have become an integral part of the community, and now, focused on connectivity and collaboration, our vision is to make an even greater impact on the quality of health care for the people of our islands. In summer 2022, we will open a 70,000-square-foot state-of-the-art hospital built on three acres of land at the southern end of Kamana Bay, bringing much-needed specialized medical services closer to where people live, work, and play. Kamana Bay, located at the heart of Seven Mile Beach, is home to schools, businesses, shops, restaurants, and entertainment. And now, Health City Kamana Bay a $100 million world-class hospital. Health City Kamana Bay will include an advanced cancer care unit offering bone marrow transplantation and the latest cancer treatment technology. It will contain a modern neonatal intensive care unit, emergency and critical care, purpose-designed operating rooms for surgical specialties such as cardiology, neurology and orthopedics, and robotic operating systems. A master plan for improved health care for the people of the Cayman Islands. Ready to meet the needs of our patients here and now, we have already established a footprint in Kamana Bay with the opening of our clinic offering short wait times, extended opening hours, including evenings and weekends, and the ability to see our world-class doctors closer to where our patients live and work. The clinic has bright, comfortable waiting areas and treatment rooms, friendly staff, expert care, lab services, and diagnostics. Reflecting our operating philosophy of patient-centered care, convenient access to our specialist doctors allows our patients to focus on getting better rather than getting to appointments. With our unwavering commitment to our community and the thousands of patients who trust us to care for them, we look forward to building healthier communities in a place where life unfolds, blossoms, and thrives. Welcome to Health City, Kamana Bay.
1: All right, folks, um, welcome back to the program. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Let's uh, go ahead and take a news break. Uh, Kevin Wattler has been covering the news since Misha's been out. So good morning to everyone. Tracy's saying that she's enjoying that commercial. Good morning, Tracy. Um, Let's go ahead and just have a quick uh, news break, see what happened over the weekend. And then we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to get you guys a little bit caught up on the biggest news uh, since we spoke on Friday which, of course, is the murder that actually took place in the district of Baden Town. So we're going to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of the details of that situation.
8: Hello, I'm Kevin Watler. and for Misha Allinger, you're watching the CMR Daily Buzz. 32-year-old Jovan Omar Fuentes Berry was gunned down on Friday evening shortly before 5.30 p.m. in a rental car by his one-time friend, 28-year-old Javon Dixon. The murder occurred in the vicinity of Gun Square Road in Bodentown. CMR was on the scene shortly after the murder and spoke to witnesses, including his uncle who was in the car at the time of the shooting. Police arrested Dixon shortly after the shooting and he has been charged with murder. Dixon appears in court today. The Cayman Islands government is offering a fuel cost credit to residents across all three islands to help alleviate the price of electricity this summer. The government assistance program will offer a fuel cost credit for residential customers who have a monthly consumption between 101 and 2000 kilowatts per hour. Residential customers with usage greater than 2,000 kilowatts per hour per month and lower than 101 kilowatts per hour will not qualify for the program. The government assistance credit will automatically be added to the bill through the CUC and Cayman Back Power and Light billing systems. The savings will vary by consumption, but it will assist approximately 80% of CUC's residential customers on Grand Cayman and almost 90% of all residential customers in the Sister Islands with a lower utility bill for the hottest three months of summer. We've posted more details on our website, CaymanMallRoad.com. Former UCCI employee, Freddy Manuel Kristen Diaz, has been sentenced to five years in prison following his conviction of possession of child porn last year. The 33-year-old was found guilty on two counts of assessing and possessing child pornography. Now, during his trial, the prosecution said he spent upwards of seven hours in one sitting looking at child pornography and downloading numerous images and videos over a number of months. This included an image of the penetration of an infant. A sexual harm prevention order was also handed down, preventing Kristen Diaz from assessing the internet for seven years after his release from prison unless he is using a device where he can be tracked and monitored. A 29-year-old Georgetown man has been arrested and charged with three counts of assault and one count of damage to property. The charges are in relation to a series of domestic incidents that took place between May 6th and June 16th. He has also been charged with breach of a protection order. The Health Services Authority will now only provide COVID-19 testing for public health purposes and pre-op patients. Now this is due to the recent changes in travel and isolation testing requirements voluntary certified LFT and PCR tests for travel or employment purposes will no longer be provided. Speaking of the HSA it launched its new my HSA Kman patient portal app. It replaces the previous app Health ELife. The MyHSA K-man app offers secure access to health information and COVID-19 vaccine QR code anytime. Anywhere other features include request appointments access to your child's health information Send a message to your doctors view general lab and radiology written reports view immunization allergy and health history and Refill prescriptions online users of the old app will be prompted to update it and those who didn't use the previous version can download the My HSA Cayman app from the app store as a reminder more details on each of these stories are on our website caymanmallroad.com Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 5.52, isolated thunderstorms in the morning, then partly cloudy. It will heat up to the high 80s, winds east at 10 to 20 miles per hour, then the sun sets at 7.07. Tonight cools to the low 80s, high tides at 2.23 a.m. and 4.12 p.m., and low tides at 9.24 a.m. and 9.50 p.m. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. It's summertime, so hot days and warm nights with a brief, scattered shower from time to time. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Now, thank you for watching The Daily Buzz. Please stay safe and God bless.
1: Welcome back. Thank you guys so much uh, for your patience. So we're going to be switching gears a little bit. So as you heard in Kevin's very up-to-date Daily Buzz segment this morning, um, there has been a murder in the Cayman Islands. It's not often, folks, that we have uh, murders, thank God. But I feel like every single murder, whenever I get in the program, it's one too many. This murder is a little bit different in so many respects. It's it's a bit of a an odd one to even have to talk about, folks, but you guys know we're going to just give it to you like it is. We're not going to sugarcoat anything for you. So let's say good morning to Marshall, uh, Marshall. I need to get start getting it right now, Marshall, now that I know better. Uh, Vernita Natasha is here. Good morning to Aliano. John Alice Melita. Mr. Leonard is joining us. Um, Olivia Diamond Princess Sapphire. Good morning to Don, you little brat, <laughs> also joining us. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. I think that an announcement was a bit premature. Um, Damaris is also here watching. Good morning to Ali, Felicia, um, Hero Blair, Andrea, Miss Pat, um, Barbara. Who else do we have? Patrice, Rachel, Debbie, Wee oui Wee. Oui. Good morning to all of you, Miss Morna. Alex has got it locked. He says good morning to Sandy in the Cayman Islands. James joining us from Canada. Of course, Miss Charlene is here. Um, she says, Good morning, K Man, and our lovely host, Jason, got it locked as well. Uh, Tracy, Ms. Beulah, Stephen, all the way from the UK. So lots of you joining the program. Peter, good morning to you, my good friend, Peter. Uh, Gabby is also here. Good morning. So listen, um, I was minding my own business. I know you don't believe that, but I was <laughs> on Friday, shortly after. Uh five o'clock, and I was sitting here on the computer, you know, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, I started receiving messages that there has been a shooting in Bodden Town. So the first message came in right around, mm, I want to say about five twenty five, five twenty six, right? And so, of course, you guys know how this works. You get a first message, and I go, Mm-mm oh boy, let me see what's going on. And then I wait. And within, literally within seconds, I got another message that says, Sandy, somebody has been shot in Bodentown. I just passed the police. They're performing CPR or, you know, trying to revive the person. So then I start to think to myself, oh God, like this is really happening right now sort of thing. Right? So um it was unfortunate because I was in the middle of trying to get someone some assistance for some emergency housing. Uh, so the timing really wasn't ideal. A young man needed he called earlier in the day saying that unfortunately he was being evicted from his house and um he needed some some assistance finding a new location on an emergency basis like that night. So I was trying to get that sorted out. And one person messaged at about 526, the next person messaged at about 559. And they said, listen, there's been a, a shooting down by Gun Square. And um, my immediate thought was, is this, are you kidding? Because this is just crazy. Um, on a Friday, broad daylight, like we start, so- I think we still sort of think that uh, the gunmen, if you will, only come out, the boogeyman only comes out after dark. <laughs> well, folks, uh, shootings happen, they have in the past. In the middle of the day, in the afternoon, it doesn't really seem to matter where. And quite frankly, the recklessness with which some of this is happening is shocking. Like when you shoot into a car at someone, because you know, I, I think in this community we are all heavily misguided by uh, what we want to believe about violence in the Cayman Islands. So a lot of us think, "Oh well, you know, at the end of um, at the end of the day." Um, Sorry, right, one second. At the end of the day, um, if they're if they're doing it to each other, who cares? Uh, the problem with that is, you know, they don't. It's not isolated. So, I mean the impact of violence in the community is um, far reaching. So it's not like they can just, it's not like the gunmen are only going to kill each other. First of all, there's always going to be an innocent victim somewhere along the way. And we have seen it where, you know, an innocent child has been killed because they were shooting at the guy and just missed. And, you know, a child gets killed. Um, We've seen them go into a bar and spray up the entire bar and innocent people who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, become victims, you know, the numbers guy, um, selling numbers. Yes, he's engaging in an illegal illegal activity. Does that mean that he should be gone down and somebody should take his life? No. Uh, You know, does that mean that someone who's going in to buy numbers should just be innocently murdered for no legitimate reason? No. So I feel like this concept of leave criminals to themselves because they will eventually have street justice and sort themselves out probably isn't going to work for us in the end. And we've seen in other jurisdictions around the world where it never really works. Right. So I think we need to be realistic about that. And I was taken aback by the fact that someone would shoot in a vehicle, not even knowing who who else was in the vehicle. I mean, what if there was a baby or kids in the vehicle, as it turns out, uh, if you go back and listen to the interview um, at the scene, the coverage at the scene, you know, the uncle starts talking to us about what went down. First of all, I didn't even know who this guy was when he walked over and started talking. I gotta tell you the truth, I had no clue he, who he was. And as he started to say, oh yeah, you know, I was in the car, I was like, you were in the car? He's like, yeah, I'm his uncle. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Cause I really didn't know who he was, right? He said hi and I said hi. And you know, a lot of people um, know me and I, you know, faces look familiar but I don't really know who people are. And so I had no clue that this was actually a family member that I was speaking to. So I was uh, quite taken aback by the fact that all of a sudden here CMR is and we are in the thick of it, getting a firsthand account of exactly what went down. And as the uncle said, you know. Um, they were coming from health city and next thing he knows, uh, they're shots being fired inside of the vehicle and he gets out. He said the way that he said it so calmly though, I was thinking, Oh my gosh, he has a lot of calm about him. Cause he's like, you know, I got out of the vehicle and I was like, what's going on here? I was a like, child. I would have been running out of the vehicle, yelling and screaming, rolling down the hill in Baden town, you know, but his uncle seemed to have been a bit more composed than that. Um, and so, uh, in a way, thankfully, there were no other fatalities. Um, obviously, the young man who wanted to kill this young man wanted to kill him. He didn't necessarily want to kill anyone else. But I think that at the, um, you know, I want to make it very, very clear, is sometimes your intent isn't always what ends up happening. So his intent might have been to kill that one individual. But when you're just shooting into a car, it is very possible that bullets, bullets, uh, they have no name necessarily on them. They can ricochet and hurt and kill other innocent people. And this isn't the way to resolve whatever your issues are. Now, having said that, I also have my my ears down to the ground, folks, and I'm very very aware that this young man who was gunned down uh, has very little fans out there, even his own family members. Now, his name is, as we all know by now, Joven Omar Fuentes. Uh, he's a Barry from Bodentown. So you guys know the berries are from the Bodentown area. So he's 32 years old and he was gunned down allegedly by a one-time friend named Javen Dixon. So very similar names. It's Joven and Javon. I think it might be Javon or Javen. Javon Dixon, um, who is, uh, Javon's people are from East End, I understand, right? So, you know, it's a sad situation. The uncle says that you know, it looks like they were being followed from after they left health city, The the streets are talking about all sorts of a mix up story between Jovan and Javon or Javon. Um, and what might have caused this. And at the end of the day, the end result is still the same. One person's dead. One person is going to court today, probably this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm, guess his attorney will be asking for bail. I'm not really sure if she's prepared for a bill application. Chances are he'll actually be denied a bill application um, at this particular junction. The police have already charged him. So they updated their story to say that he has been charged with murder. And every single person that I'm talking to, even at the scene, off camera, of course, people were saying, yeah, you know, Sandy, this kid has just been a bad seed from day one." And I couldn't quite remember where I knew the name. And then, of course, a number of different situations started coming up. He's been featured in CMR before for being involved in an accident down in Northward. He's always riding his illegal bicycle. I mean, none of those things would warrant somebody like thinking you can just walk up and shoot a guy, right? But honestly, um, it looks like Javon had a very troubled life. From the age of 18 he had his very first conviction for theft he was stealing computers from computer services um, in government looks like he had an okay little job and he didn't take advantage of of that opportunity so this is a kid who was always in trouble and one of the most egregious things that people in the community are holding against him is that his girlfriend Uh, who is, was also the mother of his children was killed in a traffic accident where he was in the vehicle. And there's always been allegations that he was the cause of the accident, that he was actually physically assaulting her. Of course, I don't think he was actually convicted of that. They found that her death was by misadventure. I think his excuse was that she um, was bending down to pick up a phone or something and that uh, she lost control of the vehicle no one in her family believes that and i dare say that a lot of people in the community do not believe his version of events so people have always um you know held a little grudge against him and saying that one day he's gonna get what he deserved now did he deserve this um i'm not the person to say that but i can tell you that a lot of people who even people who are related to this young man like legitimately people who were related to him um, and sitting there fresh, fresh off the presses, you know, people would say to me, "Hmm." they're not going to say that he deserved it, but nobody's surprised. Let's put it that way. Everybody's like, yeah, we kind of saw this coming a mile away. Like this young man, his life is only going to be two things. um, Jail, like for a really long time or um, somebody was going to shoot him. And gun him down and this is quite unfortunate i mean here he is uh this is the picture that we use when we did the initial story on him being involved in in um you know this car accident that he was involved in i think that matter might have still been ongoing in court i don't even think that was finished as yet because i saw him on the cause list um just a few months back but you know driving without insurance driving without a license this was a man unfortunately who had little regard for the law himself. Now, as life would have it, normally people who have little regard for um, the law surround themselves with other people who also have little regard for the law, right? So they're all in it together. And uh, what we have heard on the streets that this particular situation now is something about some numbers selling business and that he might have either robbed these guys again, who were, you know, involved in legal activity themselves, selling numbers or something of the sort, and so it was just a matter of, oh, we're going to pay you back with a few bullets, sort of thing. Um, I'm sure that the young man who has now, um, you know, been involved in this shooting is is going to regret this. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking in the moment. I don't know if it was more of like, oh, this is a, a situation of, of passion. You're hot headed. But you know, if you're following someone around for what could potentially be hours or a certain amount of time, you've got to recognize that of course the prosecution is going to say how much of this would have been you being hot-headed if you had the opportunity to scope somebody out, to follow them from Health City all the way into Baden Town. Um, you know, maybe you had an opportunity to really, really think about this situation as well and the implications of, of your, your choice, your decision to take someone's life. It's a really, really sad situation. You know, I don't really know very much about the shooter. Um, everybody says, you know, he was, uh, you know, an okay guy and now he's looking at, um. Unfortunately spending a good number of years, probably the better part of his adult life in in prison, potentially if he's convicted. So here he is. Um, there was a few pictures of him where he didn't really look the same, like he looked different and I was I was like, is this the same kid? So somebody sent me this one of him. there he looks so nice and fresh and handsome. Um, looks like he's had a different life since this picture. Like these two, but people said, yeah, this is the same kid. I'm like, wow, he goes from being super fresh faced cute little kid. And here looking like he's had a hardened life already. I'm just like, what happened? So this is the young man who they say is a shooter. And this is the young man who is now dead. And to be clear, this young man, I mean, people even said they could understand how his own mother might, in a moment like this, be relieved that he's no longer going to be around. Now, I don't know what her sentiments are, but I can tell you that people in the community um, are saying, Sandy, this is the dude who was beating up his mom. Like, how can anyone have any sympathy for him? Like, he's making her life a living hell. Like neighbors saying how, you know, she's having to run into somebody's house to take cover because that was the kind of kid that he was. And I cannot help but wonder, my God, as a mother, how do you raise a monster like this? Like, how how does this happen? You know, we can't just sit back and think, oh yeah, okay, he's out of the way. Thank God somebody gun him down in a blaze of bullets and you know, just have him carry on, everybody else just carry on with their lives. I think we need to dig a little bit deeper. And we see a young man who's been in trouble with the law from the second he was 18 years old, probably even before then, but he finally got caught at 18 years old. And I have to think what happened to, what's his name? Joven Omar Fuentes. What happened to him, right? How do we create a Joven Omar Fuentes? A guy who goes out, no regard for the law, beating up the girlfriend, beating up the mother, um, not being a good father to his kids. I heard that he was not in in their lives, Um, you know, potentially stealing from his own friends and all this sort of stuff, involved in their allegations of him being involved in the demise of other people. How does this happen? This is such a small community. We raise somebody like this and let him loose on the community. And nobody's prepared to take accountability for this. And I hear people saying, well, the government has to take accountability. You know, it's the government's fault. Okay. This is where I have to bring it back to the fact that as parents, as aunts and uncles and, you know, grandparents in this community, we need to take responsibility when we have these bad seeds in our family. And we have to be very, very honest about what has caused them to be and to become who they are. Now, I think government has a supportive role. Like, I think government has an obligation to offer... You know, parenting courses and other community programs that will help people get out of um, some of the situations that they find themselves in. But even when government is offering some of those things, there are a lot of people who will not take advantage of it. And it all starts with a certain mindset. So I was listening to a young man talk about, you know, this situation, this murder, and also how he has kind of himself dabble on the fringes of that life and he's like listen you know when i can't find a job in my own country by any means necessary i will go out there and do what i need to do and so i thought about this over the weekend and you know i think that the problem is and again this has to be the environment that you're being raised in when you say by any means necessary and for you By any means necessary means if you have to rob other people, if you have to steal, if you have to sell drugs or whatever, then that's by any means necessary. Because I thought, listen, we have had a generation of Caymanians way before us and before their generation who had to make sacrifices. So they're by any means necessary meant that they went off to sea and they took on very, very dangerous jobs. Last night I ran into a gentleman at at, uh, Bay, and he's like, you know, I knew your dad because we served on a boat together and he was an engineer on this particular boat. And he was talking about, you know, the one time that they encountered this really big shark and they all thought that they were gonna die because this shark was like humongous. Um, And all the things that they would have had to endure at sea, some of them died, some of them lost their lives. And, you know, there by any means necessary did not include for the most part, an element of criminality. Now, I use that term for the most part because if we're going to have an honest conversation, we also have to recognize that a lot of a lot of our people for more than just this generation have been peddling in drugs. Some of the biggest drug smugglers this side of the Mississippi have been right here in the Cayman Islands, you know, and we saw them being part of the cocaine trade and involved in all sorts of stuff. And now some of them are big time politicians. Yet back in the day, they were laundering money you know, they own shipping companies. They were, listen, go back and read Lee Rich's book. I don't know how many of you read that. And he talked about how he was sitting down with so-called respectable businessmen here in the Cayman Islands. Remember when we read that segment of his book? Mm Mm-hmm. That owned a shipping company. Now, listen, if you're a criminal in my mind, it doesn't make a difference to me whether you own a shipping company or your little Javon, uh, you know, trying a hustle in central Bodden Town. You're still a criminal. Both of you are criminals. The difference is the one criminal gets the advantage of um, a family name, right? He gets the advantage of being able to uh, get sent away, perhaps, to try to clean up and come off of drugs, stop, stop snorting cocaine all day long. So you know, money and your name buys you certain privileges. We've seen big-time drug users and money launderers who come back to heroes' welcome in this community and get to start over, get to re-enter the business world simply because of who their family to and who they are. Is that fair? Well, nobody told you life was fair. Who told you that lie? Right? So no, it's not fair. It's a juxtaposition of the world in which we live. And yes, money buys you certain privileges that if you are poor and a criminal that you will not get, you are more likely to end up in jail. So I think about, for example, um, uh, even in the U.S., President Trump, he was pardoning all kind of white collar criminals. They stole millions of dollars from people. But yet, because of who you know and your connections and, you know, yeah, you're one of my Mar-a-Lago friends, you get a pardon. Meanwhile, the poor little black girl who shot and killed her pimp, who was abusing her, pimping her out, had her high in drugs. She can't get a pardon, although she's already spent 25 years in life. She can't get a pardon because who the hell are you? Nobody knows your name and you don't come connected. This is the reality of the life that we're all having to live, folks. But it doesn't give you the poor kid from Central, Dog City. Gun Square, you know, anywhere in Cayman, it doesn't give you the excuse to be able to say, well, by any means necessary. I think we need to redefine what by any means necessary means. Because listen, if it's by any legal means necessary, then yes, go out there and be on your hustle. You can work hard. A lot of us have been disenfranchised, a lot of us couldn't get hired by the establishment right? Because they saw you as a liability. Oh yeah, she talks too much. You know, we don't want her in our law firm. She's going to be causing trouble. She's going to make people think that they have rights, (laughs) you know, heaven forbid that our workers should feel that way. And so yes, you got to be on your hustle. But in my mind, your hustle should not be things that are going to hurt you, your family, or your community. You got to keep your hustle straight and you got to keep your hustle clean. So don't let anybody stop you, you know, and I understand when people say, you know, if I went to mechanic school and I'm trying to do all the right things and I still can't get a job or I go to public works and they're trying to, you know, constantly hold me down. I completely understand those things, but I don't want that to extend to that means that I can have an excuse then. To enter into a criminal element. So that's why we have to be about our business in a good way and really try to expose um, at all levels the corruption that is happening in this community, if that's what's going on. Good morning, Mr. Errol Sims joining us. Jason says, I don't understand why the police were not immediately interviewing the uncle. Yeah, I don't know who, um, ugh, I-, I can't speak for the police, <laughs> you know. I did see later on after we were done with the interview that, uh, detective Ormuli was still speaking with him. Um, he approached him and was, you know, writing some stuff down in his notebook. So maybe they were going to have him give a formal statement later on. Like, I don't really know what their processes are, but it was a little bit unusual that, um, you know, at the scene, what the detective said to me off record, um, or off camera, I should say, not really off record, but off camera is that their focus wasn't actually trying to locate the shooter. So immediately as I got the message, oh, there's been a shooting, everybody knew who it was who got shot and people also knew who the alleged shooter was. It was like, this was no mystery. (laughs) This was not, oh, we need to go and unsolved mysteries to figure this out. Everyone knew. And I suppose when you do it in broad daylight, as brazen as it was done, um, it's almost like an open and shut case, right? So um, it's, it's really uh, unfortunate, like I said, that multiple lives have now been ruined. Um, you know, on the one hand, there's not a lot of sympathy for the deceased. What can I tell you? Except that's, that's what's on the streets, all over the streets. Everybody's like, child, please. That's one less that we're going to have to feed at Northward. I'm just here like snaps. What on earth? Joven, yes. Am I am I confusing the names? Joven Fuentes, and then the other young man is Javon, um, or Javon. I don't know exactly how he pronounces it. So KK says, "Trust me, Sandra. It took a lot for Javon to react, so we shouldn't be saying nothing negative about him." Well, I mean, whatever it was, at the end of the day, KK, he still has killed somebody, so he will have to deal with those consequences, which means that his family is now going to have to go with probably 25 years plus um, of having him incarcerated. They're also going to, I don't know if he has any children. I think he might have one or two kids, you know, now he's going to, his children are going to be, be growing up without him. So this is where we also need to be very, very measured in giving people an excuse. Um, it's not about saying something negative about someone. It's about being held accountable for your behavior and the consequences that fall from that behavior. So if you shoot and kill a man uh, and everything but absolute self-defense, you got a problem, right? You've just ruined your own life. And you've ruined the lives of many, many people, unfortunately, around you. And so, um, you know, that that's a real problem. I saw somebody commenting, you know, on another video that was posted over the weekend. Apparently it was carnival weekend this weekend and y'all were well, fighting in the streets. I got more than one video of people fighting. Even at the carnival event, somebody sent me another video of people fighting and I'm thinking, what on earth are y'all doing? So someone said, well, at least they're fighting and, and not, um, not gunning each other down in the streets. And I thought, uh, let me see if I can find that video. Oh, no, this is this is another one with somebody um, with someone gyrating on the police. I don't know why you guys keep doing this to police officers. You guys have no respect for the police when you do this, first of all. And secondly, you know that every single time you wind up on a police officer, all you're going to have him do is now be part of an investigation. Where he's going to be reprimanded for standing up there and allowing you young ladies to gyrate against him. I don't know why y'all do it. It's honestly like something is wrong with you, young ladies, and I've never seen a man doing it, so I'm going to have to reserve my comment to um, to young ladies, but why do you guys continually um, you know, engage in this type of behavior during carnival season? You should really do your best uh, to stay away from police officers. They're there to keep the peace and to do their job. They're not part of the carnival. And you guys always like to interject them into the situation. So there's another one here um, with another drunken man. Um, is this in K-Man? Are these people for real? <sighs> Where a police officer pushes what looks like a drunk man. I, listen, I feel sorry for police officers. I'm going to show you guys these videos as we talk a little bit about the carnival over the weekend as well. But I really sometimes feel sorry for police officers because Lord knows uh, dealing with drunk people and and disorderly people can't be easy. But listen, this mentality that it's okay to be out there fist fighting because that's somehow better than shooting each other. Well, I guess, but not really because that's the whole point. That's what leads to this type of behavior, right? Because you don't have the ability to control yourself and not engage in a fight to begin with. Like sometimes you've got to know that you just walk away from a situation. You know, conflict resolution is clearly something that is lacking in this community. So our inability to express ourselves, say a few words and just walk away and leave it at that is going to really be the detriment of this community. And there have been one too many people who have been stabbed, shot, punched in the head and fell back in in a parking block. That have lost their lives because we have no concept av- at all of how to avoid conflict. So Marshall says, um, "Well, you can be as bad as you bad as you want, but not as long as you want. Karma is, you know, what?" KK says the community is at peace. Secondly, the police is quite happy, but can't say. Well, again, if the philosophy was that criminals could take care of each other, (laughs) believe me when I tell you, um, you know, that would be one method, but unfortunately that it never ends, first of all. And it's always like, oh, okay, so you killed my brother, then I've got a score to settle, just not with you alone, but with anybody else that's family to you or that you associate with. And that's where you then start to pull in unfortunately, um, a lot of innocent victims. So Flashpoint says, bad seed, look at the parents and extended family. The problem the world has is uncontrolled breeding by unprepared people. Mm -hmm. Flashpoint, I cannot disagree with you in any way, shape or form. Um, And this is one of the concerns that even people in the US are having as it relates to, you know, they're very conservative now Supreme Court Saying that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. You know, that there's a whole study around this topic about how, after Roe versus Wade was passed, for the next like 15, 20 years, there was a significant decrease in criminality. And one of the things that it was actually linked to is the number of people, as Flashpoint just said, uncontrolled breeding by unprepared people who now had an option to not have a child, right? They were not bringing criminals into this world. They actually had choices. And so that had a direct impact on criminality around the U.S. All the major cities saw a significant drop in crime. And it correlated with the passage of Roe versus Wade 15, 20 years later, when those babies would have become teenagers and adults and start entering the the criminal world. It's, you know, it's a very interesting study and something that if you've never looked at is worth looking at. It's a hell of a thing when you have um, people having children that they don't want, they're not prepared for, and they're just doing it just because society says, well, here you go. It's, it's your problem now. Um, Loved Lopez says, talk to things, Sandra, corruption will never end. Sad. Uh, Dean Sinclair is also joining us, says that uh, he's listening. Good morning to you. Alex says it was a plan already to happen. Aliano says the sad part is a tribal mindset society that thinks it's logical and the act public. I think something was here, And the act public executions being celebrated should be warning and eyes open. What's next? Uh, and is the police on their P's and Q's? So, um, again, it is an unfortunate situation, but yes, I think that Aliado, uh, it is interesting as you say that a public execution can happen like this. And, um, I don't know if people are celebrating it, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> some people very well, maybe, and some people are just, uh, you know, they're going to be like, listen, he got what he had coming. So KK says innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Absolutely. But when you do something in broad daylight and you clearly were not um, too concerned about if people saw you doing it, then it is what it is. (sighs) Mm -mm -mm. So Sharon is asking about Mr. Manning, the missing man. Still no updates. As far as I know, uh, he's actually still missing. So um, Gabby says that police are told to be more engaging with the public. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't quite think that's what they had in mind when they said engaging. So we will keep you guys updated, folks, on um, the latest as it relates to uh, this particular murder situation. Like I said, the young man has been charged and he is slated to appear in court this morning. So, you know, there's not much more that I can say about it except um, it is sad. And I think people who are watching the progression of activity, uh, murders, and so on in this community never see any crime as a reason uh, to celebrate. Right? Because it just never gets any better and it will progressively uh, continue down this road. And you can't let people believe that because you don't like someone or because you've got some beef with them, that this is the way in which you resolve it. It isn't. All right, so we do have a couple more bits and pieces um, that we should discuss. And also, in addition to that, I want to um, talk about a little follow-up from Friday's show because I know some of you were waiting on some of the details about that scammer situation, which the details are really quite interesting. So Jonathan says not too many of them have guns. Maybe they're trying to take a swipe with their batons, speaking to police, stigma police. Um, Anthony says, walk away from trouble if you can. And the voice of Kenny Rogers are handcuffs. Absolutely. Walk away. And Gabby says, uh, there are the few that have been grown in good households with good parents and had had plenty of opportunities, but are just bad for no reason. Well, my observation, Gabby, in relation to that is normally. And when I say normally, I'm talking about 99% of the cases that isn't the case. You don't normally find people who actually come from really good homes and just turn out to be bad seeds. Now, we might not know. So sometimes as outsiders, we are looking in and we're making assumptions about the type of homes that people raised up in. Right. So there's a particular individual out there who's all over the place with drugs and stealing and robbing people's homes, whatever. And people say, oh, he came from a good home because look at who his dad is. He's a businessman with money. Well, I don't know anything about the family, so I can't make that assumption just because you're a businessman and came out and you have money that that means that your home is a good home. How does that make any logical sense? I don't know that. So money doesn't make it a good home. Um, You know, sometimes I'm just going to switch headsets here. Sometimes you grew up in a home with money and privilege and it's still a dysfunctional home. You still have abuse, uh, alcoholism in the home, crazy people with mental health issues, tormenting each other psychologically. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a good home either. So I think it's very, very difficult for us to um, make determinations about a person's home based on the little and limited amount of information that we have as outsiders. Sometimes there was abuse in these homes, right? You guys hear me talking about abuse all the time on this program and the far reaching implications of someone who grows up, <clears throat> my apologies, in an abusive home, Well, that's physical abuse, psychological abuse, or sexual abuse. And a lot of so-called, you know, established families have a history of child molestation right in their families. And so kids grow up in those dysfunctional homes and they become a product of that um, hurt and that continued abuse. And so they take it out on the world. Other times, your your mom, you might be growing up in a single parent household, and yeah, your mom might have been a good person, but she was never a person that instilled any discipline in her children. So if you don't tell somebody like a little, what's his name, Javon, um Jovan, right, 32 years old, uh, and now deceased, at the age of five, what was he being allowed to get away with? You know, where were the parental controls in his life? Doesn't mean that his mom or dad or whoever wasn't, they weren't nice people, but did they lose control early on of this kid, right? How did he end up being this little uh, bit of a monster in a community from the time he was 18 years old? How how do you go around beating up your own mother? Now, y'all know uh, in certain households, you would never even, what? think about putting your hand on your mom? Like, how how do you do that exactly? How does that thought even enter your head? That is a level of disrespect that is shocking. And normally when you find someone who is abusing their own parents, that's because they themselves were abused. Somebody was beating him up as a kid and he saw abuse as an example of how you treat women right allegations he's beating the girlfriend beating the mom he seems to beat up a lot of women why is that so if we if we're not ever going to address like the deeper reasons like really answer the why how does a society create a joven omar fuentes i'm just saying in 99% of the cases it isn't the situation that he came from a functional like loving, you know, home with boundaries and limitations and no abuse and all this kind of stuff, I somehow don't think that's going to be the story that if we really scratch beneath the surface that we would be hearing in most of these cases. So good morning to Emma. How are you? Um, KK says, some things the uncle spoke in your life was a lie, standing up to the person's After shots were fired, dude, please, laughing out loud, he ran like any other person would have done. Well, I don't know if he ran or not, but I know I would have been running. (laughs) Um, Hopefully there's some CCTV cameras in the area. I don't really know. So, again, we know that, um, you know, the young man, the shooter left the scene and then he was um, apprehended by police a bit later on. The helicopter was up looking for him. So Scott B. says, what's going on with the Red Bay School investigation? Nobody has said anything about it. Scott, only God knows. Uh, again, these are the types of things that happen in the Cayman Islands. We were the only ones who reported it, first of all. Uh, nobody cares, really, that, you know, a, a teacher, is a school principal, is trying to perform an exorcism on teenage children. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, despite that, and despite the fact that um, the school claimed, this is back in May of last year, so it's been over a year, we have never received an update. And this is the kind of thing to me that is just shocking, because I think to Scott's point, is when we have issues, even in our schools, that are widespread, that are reported, We never hear any sort of an update on what happened, what actions were taken. Here we are telling young people and telling children that your behavior has consequences. But does it really? Because we see adults engaging in certain behavior that are civil servants that work for government. And, uh, you know, the argument is we don't ever see the consequences that come from that behavior. His body says uh, the Bible never lies. Children would be generations of vipers, but where are they coming from? You know, children don't raise themselves. So if children are generation of vipers, then they're coming from parents who were generation of vipers too, and grandparents who were generation of vipers. You know, so as parents, we can't just randomly blame the universe and blame government and everybody else for the children that we are creating? How do we create these children? Because when we start to answer that question, that means that every one of us who have had a problem child has got to take some degree of responsibility. Hmm. Uh, Marshall says it's sad what happened to that young man, but with the life that he was living, he had it coming. Well, that does indeed... Uh seem to be a general sentiment. So Aliano says, the problem is the overreach of many different aspects. You have parents that are good in instilling discipline, but once they leave the house, what then? The streets take over, monkey see, monkey do, from a corporal punishment can nip their problem in the butt. Well, um, Aliano, again, you know, as a parent, you have the right to control, especially younger minds that are very, very impressionable, how much of that outside world your children are access to, and in this day and age, it really means that as a parent, you need to keep on top of what your kids are doing, right? So remember when we had the the um, dance hall artist visit our schools the other day? That was last year, I think, at John Gray, and all the kids were like up in arms, and I I'd, I'd never even heard this guy before. You see, this is where as parents, you're in high, your kids in high school, and middle school. You need to be very much aware and cognizant of what it is they're doing. You're just handing these kids, you know, um, mobile devices and you don't know what they're doing. They're in Snapchat groups and they're sexting each other and they're sending around all kind of messages. And yes, peer pressure has always existed and that's not going anywhere. That's going to always be there. But at the same time, as a parent, if you're clueless about what your children are doing, even when they're not with you, well, what do you expect? And then when when you find out, when you figure out this is what my child is up to, you need to be having conversations with them. And I think a lot of that is not happening. So Scott says that K-Man Current asked um, every few weeks and got nothing from police or DES. Like you said, how, why, and how big a rug they got. So again, um, it, it's a problem. And this is this now is where government needs to be held accountable, right? And I'm talking about both the elected arm and the unelected arm. So the civil servants, Department of of, um, Education Services should have provided an update if they claimed that they were going to do an investigation. Normally an investigation leads to some report, some uh, conclusions, some disciplinary action, something, right? And as broad as this situation was, the people are entitled to know exactly what the end result was and what this investigation found with children claiming that this woman was trying to perform an exorcism on them. Now the elected officials, the minister of education should push, although, you know, they have to be careful how they deal with the civil servants because the civil servants, as I say, you're not the boss of me but they should still be requiring these reports to be made public. Instead of giving people the opportunity to carry that investigation that then stays hidden and no one ever knows anything about it. If an investigation was actually fully carried out, which makes you wonder because they never release anything. So I often wonder, mm, did they really do an investigation or is this a bunch of you know, smoke screens and mirrors to try to fool the people? So, Sue says lots of young people who have really good parents, go down the wrong road many times till they realize what could happen to them and then they grow up. I mean, I am still going to um, stand my, by my position, Sue, that I think what happens is a lot of parents think that they're good parents. And in fact, they themselves are delusional. I have seen parents like, oh, you know, I, I I was a great parent. I was a good parent, parent of the century award. And I look at them and think, are we, are we talking about the same household? Because even in very limited situations, a little bit that I know, I'm shocked at parents who think that they were a good parent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, wow, that level of delusion. It's no wonder that their kids have problems because they think that they raised them in a good home. And I'm like, okay. Just because you weren't on drugs and gangbanging doesn't mean that you were a good parent. Maybe you had no concept of how to set rules for your kids and how to put your foot down in a meaningful way other than just beating your children. Because everybody thinks they're a good parent because they beat their kids. And that's the definition of being a good parent. And it isn't. There is so much more to it. Right? I, I see parents, for example, who grew up never teaching children any degree of financial management, no fiscal management whatsoever. And then when their kids become adults and they're always, you know, owing this person money, that person money, they can't pay their bills. They're moving from one apartment to the next. And they're like, I, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with her. I, she was raised a good family. Well, you know, you were showing her by your own actions, a lifestyle without any messages of excess. And not really explaining that okay, we can have certain things in life, but that's because mommy and daddy has to work really really hard for it, and you don't get everything that you want. So even learning to say no to your kids seems to be something.
7: Um,
1: sorry, that is lost on uh, lost on a lot of people. And those are just you know that's just but one simple example of where people think oh but I I have a good family. I'm raising my kids in a good household i was just reading quite interestingly enough an article um just yesterday about some of the things that um ten toxic things that parents do to make their children less functional as adults and i was reading this thinking oh my gosh okay i need to make some improvements i need to do this i need to do that right here here's one that we all do as parents Invalidating their feelings. So telling kids to stop worrying or stop crying sends a message that their feelings are bad and it teaches them that they need to hide their feelings or fight those emotions. They may grow up to mask their feelings or numb their pain in unhealthy ways. How many of you do that and you still think that you're a good parent? (laughs) You know what I mean? You tell your kids when they're having a moment, you dismiss their emotions or you laugh at them. Oh, what are you crying for? You're such a big baby. And you're gonna still stand up and say, Oh, I'm a good parent. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this link here because I have to wonder how many of us of these 10 things are actually engaging in probably eight out of 10, right? That are going to damage children into adulthood. And yet we still think that we are good parents. I'm not I'm not saying you're not trying to be a good parent. But sometimes you don't know any better because the examples you yourself have learned came from dysfunctionality. If you grew up in a household with dysfunctional parents, right? Emotionally dysfunctional parents, you don't know that until you have been exposed to something else. Believe me. And you walk around thinking your entire life, I grew up in a good home. And then you, you meet other people who actually grew up very differently, or perhaps you marry someone who grew up very, very differently and you go, oh, wow. So the way that my parents spoke to me, how us as siblings got along, the constant fighting and this and that, that isn't normal. That isn't what other people, like other people live differently. So I think a lot of times that we as parents and individuals don't even know what looks what what is you know a good home? <laughs> what is what is a functional home emotionally, psychologically, and so on. Because we did not grow up having lived in that environment ourselves. So Tracy says, sins in the father rest upon their children. Tracy says life skills should be taught in school. Learning to invest, save, tax returns. Well, we don't have those yet, thank God. Real day skills they need for the future. Many of their parents don't know what reality, uh, what is readily available or knowledgeable to educate their children for new world life requirements. And it's, it's not even, I mean, that's additional stuff, tracing. You're absolutely right. You know, we as parents sometimes don't have the skills to help our children. And that's when I think we have to recognize, number one, that we don't. And number two, be willing to ask for help. There's no harm in saying I don't know something even as a parent and I need help. You know, if you are a mother, for example, say you're a single mother and you're raising, whether it's boys or girls, and you have a deadbeat absent father. And there's a lot of them out there that are causing children to grow up being dysfunctional. One of the things that you need to do is you really need to reach out to people in the community who can help you augment the the missing parent, right? There's no real substitution for a good father not being in a child's life. But if you have a good uncle, a good um, grandfather, or someone else, in the community can kind of step up and mentor that child and be there for that child. That's really, really important. Because we know that children need both parents. But again, we're, we're growing up in a society where, you know, we want to comfort ourselves with their our failures and we're like, Oh, okay. Well, I grew up in a single parent home, so that's okay. Uh, my kid's going to grow up in a single parent home and we're going to make it. It depends on what your definition of make it is, right? And there is no harm in saying that as a community, we need to offer support to these families because it isn't the same as growing up in a two-parent home where both parents are loving parents who are engaged in the life of that child. The child needs both parents. Uh, Hayward Watts says, amen. Good morning, Miss Maria. So she's, she's watching. Alex says, it's like what they say, no pain, no gain. Tracy says technology has changed what children are exposed to. Kids are bullied online and parents aren't aware of it and they lash out or commit suicide. There's so many things to blame. And I think that, again, it's really all about uh, parents being engaged. You know, giving access to technology at an early age, especially social media, and people can contact your children without your knowledge even is in my opinion, extremely dangerous. You are literally leaving your children to the wolves to be destroyed uh, psychologically or emotionally. And most children do not need, especially not here in the Cayman Islands, a mobile phone that has all of these apps and all of this access to it. Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and all this sort of stuff, right? And that's exactly what happens is that your children are then subjected to being bullied by other kids um, before they know how to emotionally deal with the situation. And it's constant, and and it's online, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. So, um, folks, you know, these are some of the, the things that are coming up. Ms. Bonnie says, preach the thing about deadbeat fathers. Occasionally, there's some deadbeat mothers around the place as well. So carnival was this weekend. Looks like y'all had a fantastic time. I did see a number of people still complaining. I think some people for them, carnival will never be the same because it has been split from the two groups have, you know, now doing their own thing. So, you know, you have K-Mass and you have um, Batabanu, right? So K-Mass was this weekend. Um, you know, I saw some comments online. Oh my gosh, it's just not the same. And I It's so bored and whatever. But from the looks of some of the videos that we've received, some of y'all were having um, a really good time. So Tracy says, Ted Bundy grew up in a nice Christian home and said he had a great childhood. So I do believe um, some are born despite the environment. Actually, Ted Bundy did not grow up in a nice home. I don't know who told you that line. Um, Isn't Ted Bundy the same one who... uh, Whose mother, um, let me try to remember his his story now. He did not grow up in a a normal home at all. And see again, this is where, when you use an example like this, you've actually got to know the backstory. But I'm pretty sure that Ted Bundy is the one who grew up thinking that his mother was actually his sister. They might've been so-called Christians, but his mother, um, I can't recall exactly how she got pregnant, whether it was abuse or something else. But he claims that he had an uneventful childhood, but again, um there was a lot of things that were going on in his childhood that would lead a um professional to say, "Oh, this kid is headed for trouble right he grew He was born at a home for unwed mothers mm-hmm. his mother was going to put him up for adoption, but the father um, said no. So he grew up thinking that his own mother was his sister and not his mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you think about when you eventually find out that the person who you thought was actually your sister turns out to be your mother all those years later, You've been deceived in the most amazing way your entire life, a good part of your life. And it, I mean, that alone would probably make you lash out against women. So um, they told him that his grandmother was his mother. The grandmother suffered from depression. Uh agoraphobia his grandfather had been described as the owner of a raging temper violent acts touch everyone from cats to dogs employees and family members some Bundy experts have theorized that he was the result of Luis his mother being raped by her own father Her story was she was seduced and abandoned by a war veteran. Yeah, (laughs) this is not a normal home. This is not a nice Christian home. This is a dysfunctional home that they lie to people about and they hide behind the veil of Christianity. They want you to believe it's a nice Christian home. But again, from the outside, some people might be fooled. Right? When you grew up with someone who has a raging temper in your house, you were probably a victim of that abuse as well. His own behavior. On one occasion, his aunt woke up to find him as a toddler placing knives near her sleeping. Yeah. Okay. This is what his aunt said. I remember thinking at the time that I was the only one who thought it was strange. Nobody did anything. (laughs) Really? Mm -mm -mm. Uh, An experienced psychiatrist said, only in very seriously traumatized children who have either themselves been the victims of extraordinary abuse or who have witnessed extreme violence amongst family members would you see that type of behavior? He didn't grow up in a nice Christian home, child. Right? This is just a little snippet of some of what he endured in his very, very early years. Child, we can go on because he had a lot of issues but again, the point being that we look at homes and we look at individuals and we think, "Oh yeah, they go to church, so they're a nice Christian family." Mm-mm-mm. Little do y'all know. Good morning, Miss Lucille. Miss Lucille says, "Sandy, a very good morning." I was born in Jamaica, but I'm asking you to tell uh, tell them Jamaica that it's coming to Cayman now to bring their house with them because when they come, when you have a place to shelter them, you put your tools down. They have their stinking ways and what? Uh, Full up your house. You must put one man in. He brings a new man in to sleep in one bed. And then when you ask them to leave, they're trying you to go, they're trying you to go to the police after they brace Uh, Okay, I think I'm missing a few things here. Something, some of their mothers, mothers. Okay, I'm not quite getting what that was all about, but it sounds like she's got some tenants or something that are causing a little bit of an issue. Uh, Vernita says, our people from way back needed therapy for what some of them endured and being ignorant had children which saw their trauma or abuse and some children chose the abuse side for lots of reasons. And some chose good. Well, sometimes my point really is there's not much of a choice when that's all you know, right? It's unfortunate. All right, let's look at Carnival Weekend, folks. Here's a couple videos that we got from it. Um, look at, look at. oh, that is a female. Oh, hold on. I did not see this part of the video. I was just looking at it this morning. So this is someone... Um, uh, gyrating, you know, I said that you never see it with female officers, but now I stand corrected. So this is a video with a female officer who some woman is, um, gyrating up against. Um, you know, the police are not there. Look at this one. The police are not there for your entertainment folks. <laughs> I mean, they're there for your safety you shouldn't, it should not be allowed for you to touch a police officer in uniform in this particular way. Hello. People have been hauled into court for speaking to a police officer at a of way out of sorts, much less gyrating up on their parts. So you have two officers here, a female officer. She's got her hands in her pocket. See, this is where the female officers and any officer should say, listen, do not touch me. Back up right? I know you guys are out here. You're drinking. You're having a good time. You're probably not in your senses right now, but do not touch the police. Now I notice with interest that neither officer is touching the individuals who are touching them, but this could be battery. You could be charged. What are y'all thinking? Lord have mercy. Mm-mm-mm. Look at this. This one rubbing up on the female officer, and the next one gyrating up on the man, and somebody touching him on his shoulder. It looks like he he moves. It kind of ends prematurely there, but it does look like he tries to um, walk away from the situation after a couple seconds of having her rub up against him. It was probably starting to become a little bit uncomfortable for more reasons than one. All right,
7: here's another one. Oh not today, Bobo! Gotcha. You're not going
4: to touch him!
7: Not today! Oh
1: my God! That's not good! He's drunk, can No! Don't do it! Oh my God! you going to get arrested, you know? we going to get
2: arrested! Really? we to go have going to get arrested!
5: Just arrest him and done.
1: You've mm-hmm. Giving him a napkin. folks uh, so there is a man who again has had one too many drinks I'm sure of it um, at carnival can't control himself now that he's all liquored up and um, you know looks like he's ready and trying to assault the police so this is what some of what the police are having to deal with over the weekend you guys are supposed to be out there enjoying carnival dancing around having a good time and it's always the one or two bad apples that makes it bad for everyone. Mm -mm -mm. So Elizabeth says she's going to blame it on the kids. She says, Jesus Christ created Lucifer and Lucifer chose to become Satan. So sometimes it's just their choices. Jesus is a perfect example. As a parent, sometimes people just choose to be bad and it's not the parent's fault. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is even when it is the parent's fault, they're not willing to take responsibility for it. Um, Aliana says, What if these individuals were known to each other? Which individuals? The police officers and the people gyrating on them? That doesn't make a difference. I don't care if that I don't care if that was her, I was gonna say her mother, but I hope to God she wouldn't be gyrating on her mother like that. But say that was her best friend. It doesn't matter when that person is in uniform, you have to respect the uniform and you have to respect the position and the fact that they're on duty. And um this type of behavior just isn't, um, you know, it's not kosher. Uh, Sue says, sadly, that's right. They should get back together, make carnival like it used to be. Uh, great times then. Tracy says, public intoxication. But then you'd have to rest half of them. Well, not really, because it's not a matter of public intoxication. It's public intoxication that brings on the, the stupidity, the fool- foolishness, the foolery. Right. So that's a very, very different situation. If you're publicly intoxicated and then you're trying to um, assault people and all that kind of stuff, that is what will get you arrested. Uh, Aliana says, my man is super sauced and crossed. What a mess. All right. Let me give you a brief update. Friday's show was super interesting. So in case you missed it, you can go back on Facebook and YouTube and listen to it. So we had a lady from Nicaragua who was saying that she had sent some $600 U.S. for a work permit. And these people were trying to help her get a work permit and, you know, whatever. Some guy she met on Facebook uh, was going out of his way to help her, sending her money, all sorts of stuff. And so as you guys remember, after uh, during the program, he said that um, he was going to be sending us some proof. Uh, receipt proof that her work permit had been submitted. Now I'm happy to tell you guys that, uh, what was his name, Nick, was telling the truth. So apparently her work permit was approved. Not approved. Her work permit was submitted. So there was one that was submitted in May that was turned down, May the 23rd. Now, why it took them from January to May to submit it, only God knows. That question I cannot answer. But it still took them uh, April, May, five months after she says that she sent her $600. So that's kind of crazy. But the first one was turned down. The second work permit application was um, deferred, Right. So here, here's what the situation is, folks. The person who is, remember he talked about Miss Bev, the person who, uh, this Miss Bev, who's putting in a work permit for her, immigration enforcement, which is now W-O-R-C, <coughs> sorry, has concerns that she doesn't have any work for her, which would totally make sense, actually. Okay. So it was deferred in early June so that they could um, get some additional information as to what work you claim to have. So Ms. Beverly Day is submitting temporary work permits for people. The first one went in in early April. My apologies. That was refused. And then she turned around and reapply in late May. He sent us the receipts. And that one has been. Sorry, that one has been deferred and it's because, um, you know, they want to know that you actually have legitimate work, which is a good question. So a lot of these people are setting up these janitorial companies claiming that they have work, gardeners, domestic janitors, whatever, and they don't actually have any work for these guys. Mm-mm-mm. Someone said, you need to focus on CBC, how in Jesus name, you can give people all six months and extensions waiting a decision of a work permit. And no one has held a decent paying job. And I'm still talking about uh, domestics, gardeners, etc. cetera. What do they need to start doing There's a really easy solution for this, right? There has to be a money trail. So, you know, in the employment law, um, there is a requirement that you have a, either a contract or working terms, conditions and working terms or something it's called, right? So you need to give your workers like this is what your salary is going to be, like a basic term of understanding of of what the the employment relationship is going to be every single person should have some paper trail as to how they're getting paid. And you know what? Enforcement has the right to come in and ask you to show your pay slips or how you pay people. Stop allowing people to abuse the system for slackness because the holes, some of the loopholes are very easy to patch, including the fact that y'all just need to say, show documentation that you sent this person this money. Because what you're going to find is the documentation is going to show the opposite, that a lot of these workers are actually the ones who are paying these so-called employers. Now, a domestic work permit, this is the one thing that I found interesting with this particular case. A domestic work permit, folks, cost 100 um, So basically, the work permit fee was $100. And then she has the admin fee being $70, $170. Why would she send her $600? You see, th- this is where y'all are, are, are stealing from people. Same thing with the other case. That guy sent $3,000 to the Filipino lady who, by the way, has scouted and left the jurisdiction. She claims that she has a legitimate business because she's the 40% owner in a business that does work permits. What work permit for domestic costs $3,000? That's like if you're an accountant or a lawyer and because these people don't know any better, they are being taken advantage of $3,000 is a lot of money and it's hard to come by in these difficult times or any time really. So if a work permit costs $170, why are you sending somebody $3,000? What's the rest of the money for? Now, yes, you can charge a fee for processing a work permit. But that is not the same thing as you claiming that you are the employer. If you're in the business of processing work permits for employers, that's different. You might charge a couple hundred dollars for that. But that's not where you are pretending to have work for people when you have no work. Uh, Big shout out to your radio listeners. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back here tomorrow morning, of course. So make sure that you tune in.
2: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number 1 talk show is live weekdays from 7:30 AM. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit caymanmoralroad.com for all the latest news and community happenings.
1: All right, folks. So, um, again, that's for our Bobo 89.1 listeners. But, yes, I mean, this is a little bit of a crazy situation, right? Of course that's breaking the law. Um, $3,000. Then, and then they talk about, oh, they have a legitimate business. You might have a business. I don't know if it's legitimate or not because you can use a business to do illegitimate things and unlawful things. But in good conscience, how could you take $3,000 from anybody and talk about, oh, yeah, that that's that's what, what is that for? Right, because, again, you are. If you're an employment agency. You're not supposed to be charging the workers. You charge the person. I mean, this is how employment agencies work. The person who needs the worker is the one who pays the fee. So I have no clue what kind of business this Filipino lady is, is somehow involved in. Talking about she's the forty percent, uh, but she's the forty percent of ripping people off is what's really going on. And this now is when you know both um, work CBC and DC DCI need to get together and flush out some of this illegal activity that is happening in our communities because it's really are costing people and somebody's going to get hurt for stealing people's money over work permits. All right. Um, So uh, someone says that you're 100% right. Everything can be traced back to the home. It's just that most people don't, you know, they, they don't want to admit that, you know, it's unfortunate. Um... Uh-huh. Okay. Let me see. Um, so someone says in relation to the shooter, they said drugs happen. That's why he looks so, Oh, uh, what a mess. Um, So, yeah. So that the guy that got shot, didn't he break his mother's two hands while beating her up because she didn't have any money to give him? Well, I don't know. I mean, I heard he was a little terror. Um So, who knows? You know, I I I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, any Anything is possible uh, with these kids who have no respect for their parents. Like I tell you the truth, only God knows um, what the situation is there. But yeah, I mean, I've heard that he, you know, he's beat her on more than one occasion. Oh, honey child. Mm -mm -mm. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. My child beating me. Mm -mm -mm. Child. Wow. That wouldn't end too well. Mm -hmm. Not today, Bobo. Not today. But again, I mean, you have to wonder, when did that behavior start? You don't just disrespecting your mother when you're 25 or 30 years old. This has been long, you know, this has been happening. Like the disrespect started, no doubt, at a very young age. And it just continued and continued. Nobody wasn't reining him in. Oh, my God. The mother doesn't have brothers. She doesn't have an uncle. He doesn't have grandpa- like a grandfather that would have stepped in and said, listen, the day you put your hand, say he did it once and he was just drunk and out of his mind. His uncles and the men in his life should have ensured That you never put your hand on another woman again. There's ways of sending that message very, very clearly, Tim. You do it again and we can break your friggin' fingers. It's unbelievable. But, you know, part of the problem is the community sits back and just accepts it. I don't know. Was she one of those mothers who was like, oh, yeah, don't, don't talk to Joven. No, leave him alone he gonna be okay. Maybe. I mean, I just don't know. Mm-mm-mm. Who knows? It's a sad day folks. And all I can tell you, um, honestly, is that, uh, we'll keep, a uh, an eye on, on the situation. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, what a mess. That's all I can say some days. Folks, uh, tune in tomorrow morning. We're going to be joined by UCCI, the University College of the Cayman Islands is coming in the program. They're going to be talking about some of the things that they've got going on there at the university. So um, ensure that you tune in. You can hear about their courses, what they've got coming up for the fall semester. And tons of other things. So we have a number of um, participants, at least three or four people that will be joining us from the University College of the Cayman Islands. So lots more um, open mic opportunity, of course. There's always something going on in this small little town of ours, folks. What a thing! Cayman is so small, but yet so crazy. We wish to extend our condolences to the family of Miss Isley Conley, uh, 99 years old. What a beautiful life she lived. Um, She was a a lifetime educator, MBE recipient, and uh, she passed away over the weekend. The premier issued a statement saying, amongst other things, that uh, those she taught who will remember her tenure as chief education officer uh, will still talk about her achievements today. While we were hoping that she would have been she would have made her century. She was certainly blessed with 99 years of life. Uh, He also says that in recognition um, of the significant reach and impact of Ms. Conley's work, the government extends its deepest condolences <coughs> sorry, to her entire um, family. So she was the first recipient, folks. She had lived an amazing life and was the first recipient of the Cayman Islands Chamber of Commerce. Let's um, name of that, award, that award now. Um, oh, gosh, hold on. It is called the Spirit of um, Chamber of Commerce Lifetime Achievement Award in Education in 2008. She also was honored as a member of the um, Order of the British Empire in 1981. And she's been um, honored by the Caymanian people, Caymanian government, with the Spirit of Excellence Award during the National Heroes Day in 2009 as an educator pioneer. So congratulations to her. Born in 1923 in Cayman Brack. Wow. Can you imagine what life was like then? Oh, my gosh. Um, during her career, she's recognized for starting a school for the hearing impaired, as well as introducing the community college to the people of the Cayman Islands. So kudos to her and um, her amazing legacy that she leaves behind. Uh, three children. She had David Rich, uh, attorney at law, Burns Connolly, and Jacqueline Connolly Smelly. So, um, again, we extend our sincere condolences to the entire family. Uh, thank you. Marshall says the Bible speaks about children, how their days will be shortened. Aliana says nothing sad about it, just pathetic. As we can see, live that life, die because of it. So there you have it folks. All right, stay tuned. Uh, we'll bring you any updates on the situation. Uh, it, it is now a murder trial that will be beginning at some point. Um, these are the early days still, so you know uh, we'll see what his attorney argues. Of course, we know we already know what attorney he has. Child Amelia on the job, um, so we'll see kind of how that goes. But he should be appearing in court today. To um, normally the first appearance is just a mention, so not a whole lot happens at mentions necessarily. And then they might set another um, mention date for a couple weeks, where one can expect to probably have a bail application. Now, murder charges, it kind of depends uh, whether or not they get bail. So some people have been accused of murder, and they get bail, and others do not. So we'll see the strength of, of, you know, I guess, uh, the bail argument, and it's done on a case-by-case basis. So We shall keep you guys update and updated. So anyway, have a fantastic day, folks. Um, It is sort of like a Monday, but it's actually Tuesday. So get out there, work hard, be on your hustle, but make sure it's a straight, legitimate hustle. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning. Until then, take care.